You're now officially christened into our theme song. I'm a what now? That's our new theme song. We just open our beer. Oh. And the sound of it, it sounds better than most of the theme songs we did when I actually did theme songs. And then I don't have to think of a new stupid theme song. What's your beer of the week there, Josh? I'm drinking a Lagunitas. The Waldoses. Because <laughs> that apostrophe is on the end there, so it belongs to the Waldos. Not the Waldo, but the Waldos. Mm-hmm. Special ale. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that looked kind of interesting. It was inexplicably on the markdown rack at the grocery store, and I was like, well, that sounds kind of weird. Uh, so if you look, there's really tiny text around the perimeter of the image there that explains the Waldos apparently were a family or something that went on an adventure starting at 419 so that they weren't late. Uh, if that gives you any indication of what kind of story this is. Anyways, they <laughs> apparently had a treasure map. Uh and never found their treasure, but they, I guess, partnered with Lagunitas Brewing Company to commemorate their adventure in a beer. I don't know what the hell any of that means, but... <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> it's kind of got a... 11.7%... They sell this at the grocery store? Yeah. Because <laughs> huh. I was going to say, it tastes like, like a strong ale, like a barley wine-y kind of a bite to it, but okay. not with like the big body of a barley wine. It's more... <laughs> well, ale like neat. Yeah, I haven't actually tried it yet. Uh, it sounded vaguely interesting and was like six ninety nine on the markdown rack. So yeah. I was like, "That's a good price for high gravity beer like that." And uh, Lagunitas is well known for their IPAs and like most of their hoppy stuff anyway. And according to the description on there, it says that this is the dankest and hoppiest thing they've ever made. Mm. Yes, yes, I'm all about the dank. Are you? Uh, dankness. Are you now? Especially the the dank memes. Memes? Meme? Memes. If you know how to pronounce that, please shoot us a comment. Anyway, welcome to Drink to the Past. I forgot to introduce us again, but I usually do that because I get too busy drinking because our theme song is opening bottles. Anyways, I've got this thing that you brought me, which is Colorado Native West Slope IPA. I've had several Colorado Native things, but not this one. Yeah, um, that that's I think one of the newer flavors. Okay, the can is funny. It's not. It, it says it's twelve ounces, but it's a different shape than most twelve ounce cans. Yeah, somehow. It's, it's like it, slightly thinner cylinder, but taller. It's funny. That's kind of the style of Coors cans these days. Is it? I yeah. don't know. I have never bought a Coors can. Well, <laughs> same company, Colorado Native, is owned by Coors. Oh, are they? Yeah. Huh. Had no idea. Yeah, them Killians. I knew Killians. It comes in bottles, too, but mm -hmm. cans are better. And were invented in Colorado. Yeah. Good old cans. Uh, yeah, that's not too bad. Um, not... I don't know. It's like a little generic. It's an IPA. It's not bad, though. Um, maybe it's got something else going on in there. Hmm. What out of 17 would you rate it? Because there's no such thing as an 18, apparently. There isn't. I mean, if you got an 18, you're probably cheating. Or using a point-buy system, which is a lot nicer. Yeah, that's, that's potential. Maybe we'll have to make a point-buy system for rating next time or something. I don't know. We have we have gone outside of this because I have rated things zero before on the podcast. 
And well, yeah, that's just where it has you know. A, I think uh, I gave something an eighteen once actually. Also, it, it, they they have to was. have you know racial modifiers. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, how it yeah. works. You so can, you can you? have a max of twenty. Um, I don't know. I feel like also it's really kind of cold, so it's not hitting me as much as I feel like it should. Uh, which is no fault of the beer, but I feel like it's just a little normal. So I'm gonna give it a right nice even ten. What you got on your dank old hoppy old strong ale? Is it well, that hoppy? It's really not hoppy at all. That's odd that the description says it's the hoppiest thing they have then. I mean, it's got it's got some kind of it doesn't help that I just tried some of this hot eggnog. Oh yeah, also on Sean drink something stupid. Josh is drinking something stupid with me. Uh, cuz I looked up cocktail recipes that involve eggnog cuz my wife bought me a little thing of eggnog cuz apparently tis the season, uh, which is to say I'm an eggnog addict and it's never too early for eggnog. Even if it is too early to put your Christmas lights on, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, yeah, the Hallmark channel's already starting their uh, Hallmark movie. Right? It, it's not Christmas even Halloween thing. yet. Come on. Uh, but uh yeah so i i looked up a bunch of recipes for eggnog uh cocktails and most of them were like put in some whiskey and some eggnog and i was like well that's boring yeah no you got to go 50 50 <laughs> on on whiskey and rum oh. that'll give it more richness i'll try that next time uh i've never and, actually and put God's whiskey sake. in my thing usually i just do eggnog and rum uh which is pretty solid there so this i was just like i can get slightly more creative i'll do an irish coffee but with rum and eggnog instead of uh you know coffee co irish cream there is coffee in it. no yeah it's, uh, it's actually not bad i didn't actually pay attention to the ratios or anything so that would explain why it tastes kind of slightly like uh mostly like warm eggnog yeah yeah <laughs> with, with a little bit of coffee so i'm not sure if you watered down the coffee with the eggnog or vice versa but also it's got a little bit of a zip yeah i'll give that an 11 mm -hmm. ironically it is better because it is warm if it was cold this mixture would probably only be about a nine yeah it could, uh, be, it could stand to be hotter too i think because it's it's kind of half a cup of coffee apparently does not you know yeah counterbalance half a cup of cold eggnog right out of the fridge right so that would be a thing to like a, if i had had a full cup of coffee and then maybe a little less eggnog i think this would be a lot better uh i can see that but yeah it's not like horrible yeah i'll i'll, I'll meet that 11 uh, right. what, what were you on the beer i'll give it 11.7 sweet that's its alcohol content so yeah, it's that, funny that made it easier yes <clears throat> it's got a weird racial modifier. One of those, we get a plus seven to hop or, or something. Yeah. I mean, I might have actually rated this with like a nice even 13, but... My uh, notes aren't up. I was still watching El Camino last time I used my Chromebook, apparently. <laughs> That's whatever. They made a Breaking Bad movie. Holy crap. Uh, uh, everybody's saying it's good. I'm only like halfway through, but it's like the story seems to be actually pretty interesting. It's it doesn't seem to be like taking away anything from the original series. If you watched any of the Breaking Bad, that's the one where the dad from Malcolm <coughs> in the Middle blows people up, right? Uh, <laughs> yes, sorta. Okay, <laughs> that's a perfect description of it. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, don't forget to share and subscribe, like I always forget to mention until I read it in my notes, so you could tell my notes weren't open because I was watching El Camino. But we've already been over that, right? If they if they've been listening to the podcast this long, 
then uh, you're probably good with uh, expecting whoever's still listening to like and subscribe if they haven't right. already. Also, if you haven't noticed, Chris's voice is much deeper for some reason. This is my brother Josh. is on the podcast again. He hasn't been on in a while. Hi, Josh. Hi. I'm glad I'm still observing the rule of guests on the podcast where you have to bring beer to share. Yeah, as long as they you know, aren't like an internet guest because those guests usually don't feel like mailing me something from California or wherever the hell they are. I don't actually know where Crow lives. I thought about asking him, and then I didn't. Have you checked trees? Hmm. I will look. I will I will have top men investigate this. Top men. Indeed. <laughs> Anywho, um, <clears throat> brief news stuff. Uh, not much in the way of gaming news that I noticed, but uh, Drink I mean, to the Past now has over 500 total episodes listens on Podbean. Go less. Oh. 500, yeah. the big 500. Yeah. Now, if only we could have, like, 500 subscribers or something. Or, you know, more than 26. We, we met our 25 goal when I had that giveaway. Speaking of which, uh, Chips, if you're listening to this, I still owe you a beer. So, like, <laughs> message me on Discord or something. <laughs> yeah. I, take, I take it I didn't win. No. <laughs> Sorry. You can have that beer anyway. Ah, thanks. <laughs> as long as you're here and it's open and... Uh, I mean, I've already got a eggnog and a beer, so yeah. that should be theoretically enough for me. Hmm. We'll see, though, because I probably want to drink this before it gets too cold. Yeah. Um, anyway, the only big piece of gaming news is, like, something I absolutely never expected. Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, The Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated, is a remake of a GameCube SpongeBob game, uh, has a... <laughs> They just announced two uh, collector's edition bundles, uh, <laughs> and one of them is priced at $150. That's and probably the one that comes with uh, David Hasselhoff. That that would be even more awesome. <laughs> uh, but no, that the other one is $300, uh, and what? still doesn't have David Hasselhoff. So the, the $300 edition is called the F-U-N edition. You remember the fun song from Spongebob? Probably not. Uh, um, F is for friends who do stuff. Together. I saw the movie. I'm okay. not proud to say, <laughs> which is why I brought up David Hasselhoff. He was the best part of that movie. It was so bad. It was awesome. Um, we'll which go I feel like is the entire attraction that I had to SpongeBob. Anyway, like it's just it's one of those stupid things that you watch because it's stupid, but not as good as Ed, Ed and Eddie. Yeah. Well, see, that's why. Just you know. Nickelodeon cartoons are not as good as uh, Cartoon Network cartoons. Yeah, that's that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Because uh, actually I can't think of another Nickelodeon cartoon that I really ever liked. It's probably something that I've forgotten from my childhood, which was probably before you. Probably. Well, I, I, like, I liked Rugrats, but I was like really little. So yeah. I don't actually give any credence to that being good or not. Uh, it was better than Spongebob. Huh. Cool. I, I remember, like, right about the time I was, like, 12 or 13 or something, they did the Rugrats all grown up one where they're all teenagers or something, and I remember that being, like, literally the stupidest cartoon I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, was, that was not good. <laughs> it's like... Why are you subjecting children to this torment? Anyways, so the $300 fun edition comes with a 8-inch SpongeBob statue with golden spatula and flexible tongue. 
and a 7-inch Patrick statue, an 8-inch Sandy statue, uh, wall stickers, tiki key rings, six lithograph... Lithograph. It's not getting any better. Just move on. Tennis socks and the game itself. Wait, lithographic tennis socks? No, six lithographs and tennis socks. Oh, there was a comma in there. Yes, you just didn't notice over how badly I choked on the word lithograph. Well, and then you disemboweled yourself on the comma. (laughs) Well, that... Oh, is that what all those guts are doing on my table? Kind of pointless and... (laughs) I know, but it's like, who the hell ever expected a $300 collector edition for a Spongebob video game remake of all fucking things? Uh, it's (laughs) dank. Is it? Probably. I don't know. They're just hoping somebody's both rich and high, which I guess is probable or possible. Right? Like, I've seen $300 collector editions come out that I've been like, if I had a bunch of money, I'd buy this. But, like, I'm wondering who the hell would buy a $300 collector edition... With a SpongeBob statue. Yeah, with a flexible tongue. Right, you know... Like, is that really a sell point? Yeah, the flexible tongue is mentioned in both collector's edition versions of this game. Uh, yeah, that's 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 a little... I mean, yeah, I was going to say the only other major item of crazy gaming news uh, centers around um, Bethesda being an absolute cock-up. But, uh, oh. oh, yeah, actually, I forgot about that. I was going to talk about that. So let's talk about that. Okay. Uh, so Bethesda is now uh, offering a subscription service for Fallout 76... Is that what's going on? Yeah, the uh, games so that is, they is launched. Is that mandatory now? No, or? it's uh, it's extra premium. So basically, if you already mm. bought the game, you can already buy um, caps, which are the premium currency, or maybe you can just farm them. I'm not really mm-hmm. sure. I haven't played a Fallout since New Vegas. Right. And that was the best one. Yeah. But 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 in this one, you know, it's online, and and basically it, it gives you certain perks like uh, um, private servers, which are not actually private insofar as anyone on your friends list can just join at any point if they see you're playing it. Mm-hmm. Which I guess if you only are, if you're like me and you're you know some sort of hermetical shut-in that you know only friends your family and actual friends, then you're fine. But if you just kind of friend a whole bunch of random people on your Discord and they suddenly pop in and start looting things, and then of course that apparently there's there's a bunch of hoo-ha. But basically, if you right. want to pay a hundred dollars a year, you get some some caps, not enough to actually buy anything, hmm. but you get some every month. And that might be the only way to actually download the free DLC that they said was going to be coming as sort of an apology for the absolute cock-up that the original launch was, and mm. in many ways still is. Yeah, that's that's kind of weird, especially since, like, I thought the point of Fallout 76 was that, like, 99% of the people in the game are actual players. So now, like, having a private server, like, do you have enough players to actually make the game interesting? Yeah, I I don't really know. I ha- I've watched. Because I thought it was like a more or less like like half co op, half adversarial kind of thing, where it's like you can team up with people and you know make a big base in your world, or you can just go run around and blast people. And yeah, there's some building. It, it's kind which of, seems like a weird game concept anyway, because I feel like there's going to be too many dickheads to offset anybody it, actually trying to work. Together. Yeah, so it, it it's sort of like if you crossed Fortnite with uh, Red dead online put it in the fallout universe and then nobody liked it perfect yep what could go wrong with that plan 
But uh, hey, maybe eventually they'll put out Elder Scrolls Six, and uh, you know it'll just be an even blander action or RPG or right. But maybe it'll be big. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> as much as I really like Skyrim, I do miss the more RPG nature of, like, say, Morrowind. Yeah. Morrowind was a good balance between the first-person, real-time action RPG and Mm -hmm. still being RPG enough. Oblivion was a little bit less, but still had some more RPG elements than Skyrim, which was far more action RPG, but still, I think, as a game, better than Oblivion. Yeah. I feel like my problem with Oblivion also was just that the world was so freaking tiny. Yeah. Uh, people are still modding it to put in, like, well... A world? Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a thing. Uh, Although I think there's also people who have successfully modded Skyrim to be multiplayer now. Yeah, probably. I mean, it literally, like that was a thing. It, yeah. it was buggy as all hell, but it looked awesome because... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things that I think would actually do really good in the Elder Scrolls games is if you could just have like some co-op in there or something. Right, and and I know they have Elder Scrolls online, but I don't really want a, a really like I've already got an MMO. I play World of Warcraft. Right. That's if I want a big MMO with just you know somewhat blandish characters in a large world, I've got that. I, you know mm-hmm. everything's fine. But if <laughs> something more immersive like Skyrim, I yeah. want to play with a couple of friends. Right. You know. Yeah, that's the kind of thing, too. Because then you're, you know, you're. I feel like in order to make it an MMO, they kind of sacrifice that a lot. And it just feels like you have to grind until you're max level in whatever MMO I've ever played. That kind of feels like how it is. Yeah. Uh, except maybe Dungeons & Dragons Online had a lot of interesting things to do at every level. Yeah. World uh, of Warcraft Classic has, well, somewhat returned to that. And I've always enjoyed the journey. And, um... Uh, in the newer modern World of Warcraft retail, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, that you can now sync your levels. So if you started a brand new character, I could take my max level character and we could play together through all of your quests and I could replay them again as right. if I were in your level bracket. And that'd be like, I feel like a cool thing in a really more RP slash story focused RPG like a Skyrim. Yeah. You know, if we could just link up you know, online or uh, for system link or however you want to do it, uh, just put your giant level guy or whatever into my world. Or if we're playing the game at roughly the same time, then you don't even really need to bug with levels. Like if you're yeah within yeah. the same, you know, three or four levels or something. I like I things know, that scale problem. to yeah. where both players will get rewards regardless of level. And, yeah. you know, it's still fun and mm. rewarding. Yeah. As long as it's not like Fable 2, where it's like, here's an avatar that doesn't look like your character, and you get gold, and, and that's it. Yeah, or or Fable 3, where it's like, here's your actual avatar, but you don't actually really get much bonus to this, and you'll have to go into your actual game to improve your abilities ever again, but then the leveling up, and that was right. bogus and, anyway. And also the... Yeah, and also the other problems with Fable 3. Well, yeah. You know, you know really, <laughs> what, what we just need is Fable. Yeah. Let's but make Fable 1, but multiplayer. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone everyone would like that. It yeah. was the best. Yes. Yeah. Anywho. Um, and we have that, to say that was that. the news. Yeah. There was, we don't there like was anything news. going on currently, but here's a bunch of old stuff we want to play again. Yeah. Together. Yeah. 
you can play The Legend of Zelda Online co-op in Nintendo Switch Online. So there. I don't actually know what you do. I think, like, one player watches the other or something, which is, like, a weird, stupid feature that I'm like, why did you add that? You know, I've got a better idea. <laughs> one player uses the A button. One player uses the B button. So you control the sword, and I control the bombs. Right, bombs were... Th it's shield. Uh, right. The shield automatically worked in the first Zelda game, but... Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, it's been a while. Right. A long while. 1987 or so? We didn't have a Nintendo in 1987. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't know. I wasn't born yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's all that. Um, anywho, so I guess we'll move on to our video game topic for today, which is the worst sequels, expansions, and DLC, which is uh, so that Josh can rag on... <laughs> Warlords of Draenor, well, it, yeah, <laughs> which is partially how I got him to come back on the podcast. I was like, hey, you can complain about that on my podcast. And then I was like, ooh, I'll shoehorn it into more stuff, because actually we can complain about stuff like infinitely. We're good at complaining about stuff. Yeah, yeah, we can never There's be happy with There's more rum at the bottom know. of my coffee, and it's actually better. So there, there's your non-complaint for the rest of the hour. <laughs> or something. Well, what do you think? Oh, sorry. Uh, Zelda 2. Um... Yeah, that was the worst sequel ever. <laughs> How'd you know I was gonna go there? <laughs> right. Let's let's see. Worst worst sequels and expansions. Um, uh, modern Star Wars. Ha cha 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 cha. Thank you. I'll see myself Ooh, out. Snap. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can get out of my house now. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it's. Uh, I've been playing World of Warcraft specifically since. Uh, Burning Crusade, right? The original expansion, mm -hmm. and now that I've played some in classic, it feels a lot like I remember Burning Crusade being. Only now I know a lot more about how to play, and I'm not mm -hmm. quite as terrible trying to level a healing priest solo. Yeah, didn't work very well until I got a squishy fury warrior, and then it was still difficult. Yeah, it worked pretty well when I was leveling my. Uh Tanky warrior, though. Yeah, for yeah. A time, and then you got like way ahead of me, and I was like, "Ah, shit! What do I do?" Uh, yeah. Then I just literally dragged you around with me, and I would have you charge things, <laughs> and I multi-boxed. Yeah. Through the barons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still don't think I even got really hardly up to level until they made the dungeon queue thing a thing, and then I could just be like, "I am the tank," and I get in instantly. Yeah. Which then I was like, I can level my guy like way the hell faster than leveling my DPS guy because DPS guys never get into dungeons. Yeah. No. And I liked that because I was leveling my shaman at the time, who's now my main. Yeah. Fancy. So. Um. I, I we could we could list. I mean, we could just say what our least favorite expansions and sequels and such are. Right. And I could go on for hours, but let's. I, I guess maybe maybe we, we, what we should do is look at why it's bad, why right. we don't like it. Yeah, I think just, that's an important part of the. Topic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, didn't I don't say like, that when I said the topic. Yeah, no, but I that, don't. I, I don't like Warlords important. of Draenor because it was mm -hmm. the flimsiest, and believe me, the newest one, Battle for Azeroth, has a lot of a lot of bad in it too. Mm -hmm. It's trying to be better than Warlords of Draenor. I have this crackpot tinfoil hat theory that uh, there's two teams that work at World of Warcraft. I mean, there's multiple 
different teams that work at Blizzard. But I think that there's two mm-hmm. because while an expansion is out and being played by players, there's obviously people working on the next one so that it can be ready. And I really think that there's two teams that kind of flip-flop. One's working on the next expansion while the other one's working on the current expansion. Right. You know. And then, of course, they would switch positions effectively. Right. And, and game I, companies use strategies like that like regularly, so I would not be surprised if that was the case. Yeah. But one of them is really bad at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, <clears throat> there are high points and low points in every expansion. The first one was Burning Crusade, which I actually liked. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't like it as well as, say, Wrath of the Lich King, which right. was pretty much renowned as the... I mean, now, through the rose-colored glasses of uh, hindsight, everyone really likes. That's like the mm-hmm. apex. I mean, World of Warcraft was at its li- highest subscriber count. Mm-hmm. Days were good. It was when they kind of started catering to fifthly casuals and having smaller raid sizes like 10 players. That's so why that, I played. Right? See, you know, <laughs> you and me and all of our guildies, we could play together because we weren't that organized and some of the guys, you know, didn't join bigger raiding guilds because mm-hmm. they wanted to run with us mm-hmm. or wait for us to level or just have fun with, you know, their 10 or 15 mm-hmm. different friends. And that was... It really became a game where more people could play. And yes, some things have led to a lack of coordination, a lack of identity, a lack of social aspects that make games better. Mm -hmm. But just as design and story and everything else go, Burning Crusade, they were not expecting anything to really go much beyond Wrath of the Lich King because that was the big plot line that they set up in Warcraft 3. Mm-hmm. And Warcraft 3 was the last of the RTSs and may well be the last of the Warcraft RTSs because they can just put everything in WoW and it seems to probably make them a lot more money. Right. Because expansions and monthly subs and... Yeah, because you can charge almost as much for a giant expansion as you can for a game anyways. Yeah, basically you do. It's you about 60. plus you make up the difference in two months of them subscribing. Yeah, it's so, 60 bucks for an expansion. So, okay, it's, so that's the same price, literally. So yeah. Yeah. But, wow, it's 60 uh, bucks now. That's, I, I think it might be like 50 <laughs> for regular and 70 for the um, like collector's edition that usually comes with like an extra mount for in-game and right. a few other goodies. I don't really remember because mm-hmm. I've been buying I've literally bought every expansion mm-hmm. so Burning Crusade they played loose and free and fast with their lore characters threw them away in ways that didn't necessarily make sense that they had to mm-hmm. retcon later right um, again I don't know how much your audience is World of Warcraft related so I'm not going to go into nitty gritty details of lore right but big fan favorite characters they you know just kind of threw by the wayside Wrath of the Lich King came around. Everybody kind of hopped on the bandwagon. They had Ozzy Osbourne commercials. That was cool. I think that was one of the things I remember most about that generation, too, was all those celebrity commercials playing World of Warcraft. Yeah, the, I mean... Ozzy and... Uh, the, uh, it, it was funny. We were actually on the same server as the guys from... Uh, what band was it? It was like a some hard metal band. I'm trying to remember. Uh, the... 
and like that was their guild name was their band name and they would just run around all over the place uh back on tarot car before we switched servers i didn't switch servers i'm still on tarot car Maybe it was... What were we on to before Tarot? Zul'jin. Zul'jin, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. still one of the big ones. Yeah. Uh, and it, I don't think they ever did a commercial, but I, I, I remember reading an article online or something that they wanted to do a commercial because <laughs> they were all like, come on, man, we're all... That would have been cool. I mean, they had Mr. T, they had William Shatner, they had Vern Troyer. <laughs> I wondered it, if some of these guys did actually play, but I was like, you know, even if they don't, these are cool commercials. Yeah, no. I don't care. The, the biggest one was finally when they did get Chuck Norris. And yeah. Of course, that was also, I think, the last one for obvious reasons. Yeah, it's he like, did. where can you go from here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the meme has now memed itself. Mm-hmm. Memeception. But <clears throat> anyway, and, and they flip flop for every expansion. For every high that was in Wrath of the Lich King, there was a low in the following one, Cataclysm, where, again, the lore didn't make sense, mm-hmm. they bit off more than they could chew, and they always will try and develop more things than go. That's mm-hmm. been literally the case the entire time that World of Warcraft has been going. They developed stuff for the original game that didn't make it there until Burning Crusade or much later. Um, there's mm-hmm. always stuff that they have to cut. But they cut literal, like, continents and, like, an entire raid tier and a lot of story development from Warlords of Draenor because, again, it, it's every other one. Mm-hmm. Where Mists of Pandaria for, you know, as everyone said that now it's a meme and it's Kung Fu Panda and everything else like that. Right. That was where a lot of people started falling off the bandwagon. Right. That's kind of where I fell off because I was like... I don't know. It looks kind of interesting. A monk class doesn't sound terrible. I'm not into the pandas, but I like. I really didn't get what the story draw was supposed to be, other than ooh, something about kung fu pandas. Yeah, no, that was where and they I, also shot themselves in the foot. Is that the lore is always a bit whack and weaker in the alternating ones because it's 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 the end goal in the first one. It's just the world of Warcraft. You know, they didn't have to have any major, you know, like, oh, this is who we're... You, 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 theoretically, the last raid of vanilla World of Warcraft was Naxxramas. The yeah. same one that they moved to, Northrend, that mm-hmm. we did in Wrath of the Lich King. Yeah, I remember <coughs> doing that, and I thought they should do more stuff like that, too, because uh, that was... Uh, I, I remember, like, after we got uh, into the Wrath of the Lich King uh, levels, a group of us went back and did some of the Burning Crusade raids after we were like slightly higher level than it, so we didn't need a full raid group to actually yeah. do it, so we did it, I think, with like a seven or eight man party. Yeah. Uh, and um, some of those raids were really really cool, and I wished that I could go back and, you know, do them, but, you know, it wasn't a thing that everybody wanted to do all the time. Yeah. And it wasn't worth doing for most people, so you couldn't just get, like, a pickup group or something. Yeah. So I was like, when they re-released Nax Ramus, I thought that was an incredible idea. And I was like, why don't they do this for all of these things? Yeah. And they kind of did that again in Mists of Pandaria and Mm -hmm. Cataclysm, where Cataclysm, they remade some of the level 70 raids as five-man heroic dungeons. Okay. Uh, Zulaman and Zulgarub, I think. Okay. One of those, actually, I think is still a raid. Maybe. I'm not even sure. Okay. 
it's it's all basically trivial content that now you can go back and collect the appearances for your wardrobe and stuff like that from but mm-hmm. basically they did do that and uh in cataclysm they also made over a whole bunch of the lower level dungeons as max level heroic dungeons so mm-hmm. um shadowfang keep i mean they, they completely reworked the story which also kind of lost a few things from doing those as you know basically they just when they did knacks they just took knacks and just made it level 80 and actually slightly easier than it was right but the encounters were still structured the same. They restructured encounters. They completely replaced bosses. I still go looking mm. every time I run Razorfen Crawl. I still go looking for the big pig at the back of the um, cave. Huh. It's been dead for ten years. Huh. There's a bat eating it that's now a boss. And I still go into the back of that cave and I go, oh yeah, it's not there anymore. Hmm. So, you know... That's a big thing is that uh, you always like going back and seeing your favorite mm-hmm. parts of stuff, but right. then when you, at some point, you run out of things to do or things that you want to do, mm-hmm. so the new expansion will lose some of its luster based on, you know, you're like, oh, well, now I remember when I was leveling and I went back with my friends, or mm-hmm. I guess maybe just that's also partially the malleable player base of MMOs. They lose, people lose interest. You know, they move on to other games. Mm-hmm. Maybe they come back sometimes. But <clears throat> the the focus of every expansion, Miss of Pandaria didn't really have one. Mm-hmm. They sort of did, but it wasn't told well in game until the very end, where you mm. had to defeat Garrosh Hellscream because he was terrible and an idiot. Right, which, which I called like the whole time when they made him war chief. Anyways, I was like, that was fucking stupid. Yeah, no. Why did, why did you pick him? Why did you not pick he, somebody he, he with never, any? He was tact never or intelligence. Never good. And I get into this argument online all the time. He was never good or useful or proficient in any way. Hmm. When you first meet him in Burning Crusade, he's moping around Garadar, staring hmm. into a fire morosely. Hmm. And you go out and you save his people from the ogres that are attacking them, and he doesn't even care. Mm-hmm. But because of the strength of his father, Thrall makes him a leader in Northrend, where he immediately starts kicking over toy ships in the basement of his hold that he built in a Nerubian stronghold because he's an idiot. Mm-hmm. After losing most of his troops, landing on a cursed beach because he was impatient and didn't scout. Mm-hmm. Then he sends you to your death, and Sarfang saves you. Mm-hmm. And then... He gets a whole bunch of people killed during the Argent tournament, so the Argent Crusade basically didn't invite him back to actually invade the Lich King, which is why Sarfang actually is the one on the boat that, you know, helps assault the Citadel, if you're Horde. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, then they made him war chief, and this is also where the lore doesn't always match up because in a, it he, he almost in some zones in Cataclysm seems to be trying to be honorable or maybe just cover his tracks if you're, you know, <laughs> right. thinking that maybe he did give this order to, like, execute a whole bunch of druids for being peaceful. But basically mm-hmm. he says that you should never forsake honor and throws the general who did actually order all of the druids executed off the edge of a cliff so that he could never tell anyone if it was actually Garrosh who ordered him to do that. But there's only a couple of examples of him not being a complete idiot douchebag. Yeah. 
Pretty then, much from what I remember is he was all like, yeah, there's a problem, let's shoot it. Get, get yeah. the biggest guns. Yeah, he crashes every vehicle he sends anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was the, the opening story of literally two different cataclysm zones. Is He sends a <laughs> fleet and it gets destroyed because he's after a piece of random land to toll Barad, which is useless. And then he builds a whole fleet of airships, I think, to mm. go attack... It's probably the Alliance again, but he might have actually been trying to fight Deathwing, you know, a fleet of dragons with flammable airships. That was a good idea. Mm -hmm. Wasn't a good idea. But <laughs> Cataclysm was the first one where there was not, a, like, Wrath of the Lich King, you know you were going to fight the Lich King. Right. Burning Crusade, you knew you were going to fight the Burning Legion. <sighs> Cataclysm, you were supposed to fight an old god. Mm -hmm. Then they realized that they'd bitten off more than they could chew. They couldn't really do it, so they shoehorned Deathwing into literally the worst raid fight that has ever existed, ever. Hmm. I don't think I ever did that one. I got up to level 85 on a couple of characters, but I never yeah. did any raiding in that So expansion. if it sounds fun to have your raid perched on the back of a dragon, which if you all stand on, or <laughs> too many of you stand on one side and he becomes imbalanced, he does a barrel roll and everyone falls off and dies instantly. But if you're sitting in these weird tentacly fire blood things, which also do damage to you, but hold you on to the thing, you mm -hmm. won't fall off. But meanwhile, you have to get these, every time you kill one of the tentacles, a big ad spawns. And you have to kill the little ads without damaging the big ad. Drag the big ad through the dead little ads, and he gets unstable. Then you kill him next to the armor plate up front. And he'll blow the armor plate off, and then you have to attack the little thing that's trying to... It's like a strand of goo that's holding the armor plate on to try and blow the armor plate completely off. <laughs> and you do that three times, and then Thrall shoots a magic dragon beam at him, and uh, that brings him down, but also doesn't kill him. So then you have to like fight him normally, but it's way easier. <laughs> because you're not literally having to do a whole bunch of ad dynamics. It still takes us like... 15 minutes and there's like stun locks and ridiculous things like we that's still the longest fight to solo at level 120 mm -hmm. and it's a level 85 rate mm -hmm. it's terrible bad design but just sounds kind of awkward as hell to be stuck in really all is. of those things and then just like oh and then it's a normal dragon fight right it's <laughs> it's like the end of skyrim <coughs> Hashtag spoilers. Uh, where it's like, oh, this is so much lead up. This dragon is going to be one of the most powerful bosses ever. And then he fights exactly like every one of the 500 dragons you've killed in the past, you know, yeah. 40 hours yeah, you've been and, playing and the game. I mean, uh, and that's, that's the thing is, you know, having someone to go against. Like, I've played Skyrim for dozens of hours. I had mm. no idea who the final boss was. I'm not surprised it was a dragon. But at the same time, mm. it's a dragon. And... There's no real, you know, whatever overarching plot there mm -hmm. is. You know, I was like, well, what's the big evil I have to save the world from? Because that's how these RPGs work. Mm -hmm. In Oblivion, it was, you know, stopping the invasion of hell. And in Morrowind, it was... Actually, I'm not really sure what it was in Morrowind. Gagath Ur? Uh, yeah, I, I literally got my orders from Chaos Casades and then immediately joined the Fighters Guild and just wandered around. That's basically what I did, except for I didn't deliver the package. I, I literally sold it to the first trader and bought an axe. Mm. It was a magic <laughs> axe and a stump. 
um, near the starting I, area. I, so. I now know about that, so <laughs> I no longer buy the axe in the first trader's shop. Yeah. Uh, actually, the last time I uh, started playing through Morrowind again, I, I went right for the magic axe and actually started doing the main quest and it was it was kind of interesting there's a lot of interesting story things going on yeah there, there really are and, uh, that, and that, i did some of the fighters guild quests just to level up a little too because it's funny when you deliver the package to ks casares he's like okay here uh there's a mages guild and a fighters guild go level up for a while and then come back when you're high enough level to take on my quest yeah <laughs> he, you well, know that, says that, that in much more in-game that terms is, that but is, that's literally what he says to you basically. yeah that's a better way of doing it mm-hmm. when you're doing a story and you you either discover it you know, naturally, organically through the game, you, you know, do some mm-hmm. quests, you find some lore, you get attached to the story, like uh, in Skyrim where you join either the Imperials or the Stormcloaks because you're immediately introduced to that conflict and that dynamic. That works well. In Oblivion, Patrick Stewart immediately hands you, you know, the key to the end of the world and says, save the world, and then dies. Hashtag spoilers. So <laughs> you know what's at stake, and then you can do anything. In Morrowind, you didn't have that, but you still could discover it organically, and I think that's just as valid. Mm-hmm. MMOs are a notoriously bad way of telling lore. That's why they've literally, and that that also is what hampers other expansions. After Miss of Pandaria, mm-hmm. they told everything about why Warlords of Draenor even happened in a novel Mm-hmm. Without the novel, none of it is explained in-game. You're just going uh-huh. to an alternate reality created by a temporal anomaly because a dragon decided that Garrosh Hellscream was worth saving for some reason. I'm still a bit fuzzy on why. Uh-huh. Then Garrosh Hellscream, because he's got the knowledge of the goblin engineers of the future, goes to Draenor 35 years in the past and tells them how to make giant siege engines, somehow reconnects the dark portal from an alternate Draenor that isn't outland and torn up and then it invades Azeroth again so you go through um, in a last ditch effort to turn off the portal and kind of get stuck there but then also for no reason mages can open portals between them so it's really fine hmm. but it's also still an alternate reality 35 years in the past which is never explained <laughs> well but after the after the expansion is over at which point you fight out of left field the burning legion again huh, because dicks yeah they just show up at the end they're like and it was us the whole time but it wasn't and they also had to shoehorn in a hackneyed explanation about yeah no because this is an alternate reality and timeline that only exists in this pocket universe but it's still your burning legion and like, all the demons you fought before it's the same ones like suddenly ganondorf appearing at the you know last 10 percent of the story of twilight princess yeah, yeah, like... <laughs> Where he's oh. like, oh, hey, that guy you've been fighting this entire game, he, uh, he was just trying to, you know, bring me back. So, uh, I'm, I'm here. Thank you, Mario, but our princess is in another castle. <laughs> but right. that's the thing is, Whirlers of Draenor, you didn't... Well, it looked like you were going to fight, um, I don't know, Garrosh, or his father, but not really his father because his alternate universe father who then ended up being a good guy at the end and nobody really knew why because that was probably in the cut raid tier right, or something. So they were missing all, <laughs> uh, like a part of the continent, a whole you know, third of the story and then you're just fighting demons again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so 
even in Miss of Pandaria, they announced it was going to be Garrosh you were taking down at the end, but it really didn't also make sense in the story of the thing where Garrosh sends you in and starts this whole war in Pandaria, unleashes ancient forces in the middle of which the Zandalari resurrect this ancient emperor who's going to try and take over the world, and of course you have to drop everything and go defeat them, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But then it's just like at the end, it's like, oh, well, we really need to unite to take down Garrosh. Okay, good. Good job. Good job, guys. We took down Garrosh. And now we got away to an alternate timeline that we pretend doesn't happen. And as of now, like after the Dark Portal is closed down and after the story of Draenor was over, it's just over. And now that alternate timeline is 35 years in its future, which is now our present. And uh, like everyone's also dead again. So you go there and like you recruit them as an allied race huh yeah but it's all all of it's done and over and outland i guess that outland is still existing and you can still go there somehow i'm still not sure why (laughs) or or how because it's still an alternate reality that doesn't exist in their temporal causal reality but they do come back to help but also now the drain eye are the aggressors Stupid Draenei. Yeah. I knew they were the problem the whole time. Yeah, and then in Legion, everybody gets together to fight the Legion. If it wasn't Legion. for blue boobs, nobody would play Draenor. Draenei. Same thing. <laughs> Draeno. Draeno, yes. Drainy. It's like somebody who's learning to be a... Drain... Draeno? <laughs> Draenei. It's been too long, apparently. <laughs> But but having so what's more convoluted this this whole bullshit or the explaining away the first three X Men movies? <laughs> hmm. All this, all this is actually harder. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, good I job, mean, Blizzard. Yeah, it's it's just. It's just, it's just getting worse with time, and I'm hopeful for the next expansion, whatever it is, because mm-hmm. that's going to be the team that I assume is a thing. Because every other expansion is not terrible. Perfect. Yeah, that's all you can hope for, right? Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want it to be good, unlike every X Men movie after the first. The second one had a few nice moments. Yeah. Uh, Logan was really good. <sighs> yeah. I liked that one. And um, there's one other one. Days of Future Past I kind of liked pretty well. Uh, that one wasn't bad. And actually, First Class was pretty good. And yeah. then they proceeded to just completely go downhill. And it's just, and I mean. Then, yeah, I didn't even watch Dark Phoenix. By the time Phoenix. they got I to, to watch Dark Phoenix just because. Go go to Everything Wrong With on YouTube and just watch their <laughs> Everything Wrong With Dark Phoenix. And you get the entire plot. You realize what it's the It's the exactly same were. fucking thing. Yeah. Like that, when they revealed was, this movie, I was like, wait, they did that. It was called X-Men 3. Yeah, but, but this one's also in possibly like that's the other thing is they're even they're even worse with time than blizzard (laughs) even worse nice yeah it's i don't even know i i don't know because i think professor x is like 60 at this point but he's still just bald james mcavoy right yeah they couldn't get patrick stewart back right Patrick stewart's probably doing something more interesting like being in charlie's angels 
Patrick Stewart was the poop emoji. Um, I think that he's just really trolling the universe now. He's like, I'm still alive. I just Probably. say, I'm Patrick Stewart, and I can get any job I want. You know what? If, if I had any job and Patrick Stewart applied for it, I would give it to him. You're not wrong. <laughs> I don't have any jobs for you. I'm sorry, Patrick Stewart. Unless you'd like to come on my podcast, I'll pay you one beer. <laughs> Even four beers. I didn't, you, you can have all my beer. I'd, I'd buy him a six-pack, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I've just waxed philosophical for a while about terrible World of Warcraft expansions. Tell me why Wind Waker is not the worst sequel to Zelda. Because uh, Zelda 2 exists? Among right, and, and Spirit Tracks. Um, um, <clears throat> or whatever. Actually, you're... I liked... We can get into that debate later. <laughs> but um, actually, Wind Waker, I really liked. Uh, it certainly took a huge departure in the art department, uh, which is, like, I feel like a lot of why people were turned off by it in the first place. But actually, like, I went back to... Like, that was originally why I was turned off by it. I didn't buy it day one, because actually, you came home, and I, I was in middle school, and you were like, did you see the new Zelda trailer? And I was like, there's a new Zelda game coming out? And you're like, yeah, Link looks like a Powerpuff Girl. <laughs> and, and I, I like the, the Powerpuff trailer, Girls. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but I looked at Link, and I was like, you know what? This Link isn't doing it for me. I'm in middle school. I'm too cool to be playing kids' games. And then later it was like twenty bucks at Kmart. Remember Kmart? Yeah, they used to exist. <laughs> so did Sears. What's that? <laughs> my only problem is now I don't have any place I can go to with my broken craftsman tools that never actually break and get them replaced. Mm. But yeah. on the other hand, all of my craftsman tools are seemingly indestructible, so I've never actually had to go to Sears. I've always brought craftsman tools when applicable. You know. Just for the amazingness of their warranty, but then yeah. I've never had to go in because they don't fucking break. Maybe that's why they went out of business. <laughs> yeah, they, they never had to they sell replaced, any more like, tools. Two tools Every, from their warranty. Everyone bought tools once, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, something. Because uh, other than that, I wouldn't have had a reason to go to Sears. Because usually, I bought my Craftsman tools at the uh, Lowe's. Yeah. So, so that was probably not good for them either. <laughs> Um, yeah, what were we talking about? Wind Waker. Anyway, um, yeah, after, like, playing it and exploring it a lot, the gameplay is very reminiscent of Ocarina of Time with a couple of little, uh, quality of life improvements, uh, well, and, and, and some, you know, <laughs> new mechanics. Uh, the, they added some very basic sword mechanics in, uh, where, like, you could press A at just the right time and do a parry and do like jump over people's heads and do extra damage or roll around them and do, you know, a backstab kind of thing. Okay. And they and that basis, I think if you look at Zelda as a whole, that's where it really started to add new sword combat and variations. Then they expanded upon that more in Minish Cap and more in Twilight Princess, and then that eventually is what grew into the uh, weapon system in Breath of the Wild that everybody really loves. That you've got a lot of different weapons, and you've got the flurry rushes, and you've got the parries with your shield, and then you can do st uh, different cool stuff. And right. I think without that original <laughs> basis in Wind Waker, we wouldn't have that. Right, and, so and you can't really blame yeah. it for taking the next step after that, because Ocarina <laughs> of Time was the first 3D. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, it's just like everything in every Mario game after Mario 64 has been a step up. Mm-hmm. It was literally just that transition to 3D, and then they could play with 3D right? and what you could do in three-dimensional space. The same thing makes sense with Zelda and not counting... Uh, mm. uh, Majora's Mask, which was literally Ocarina's engine, with and, and that that one. Majora's was, Mask actually was had a lot of interesting things about it, but also I would consider that a, in my opinion, just a more underwhelming sequel than Wind Waker. Also, yeah. Now uh, that that's the thing is like I don't also really want to play as Kid Link. Mm-hmm. That's it's that's like a, once you're up into adult link and stuff that it kind right. of becomes more natural well, it, it, and then and you have to go back to kid link every now and then and being able to switch is kind of fun yeah in ocarina of time but uh, ocarina but was mostly based around that being and the adult for the bigger chunk of the game yeah, yeah. and the story of ocarina <clears throat> is built around that you know back and forth and mm-hmm. going from childhood to adulthood and becoming the hero of time that can actually defeat everything mm-hmm. and then of course you've got the divergent Zelda timelines, and of course the best timeline comes from the "I died." I think that was just them trying to be like, "Where the hell did we put all these old games that we made before we gave a fuck about a timeline?" Yeah, <laughs> poor Malone. Yeah, <laughs> she was the best one. Marin for life, bro. Who is Marin? Go play Link's Awakening. It's on Switch now. Wait, was. You played Link's Awakening. Yeah, I was going to say. You introduced me to the Zelda series, you filthy, filthy pirate. <laughs> I had it on Game Boy, too. Oh, okay. I don't remember us having it on Game Boy. Uh, so I, the only place I remember playing it was on Dad's computer in the basement. Yeah, well, that was where I played a lot of different things. Yeah. Or maybe a friend of mine had it, and I played it, and I got it on it. Anyway. Point of the story. <laughs> We may or may not have legally obtained this PC-emulated copy of <laughs> Link's Awakening, and that was my introduce to the Zelda series. Yeah, and, and that was a really <coughs> good game, too. And mm. I mean, obviously, the idea is always that Zelda is supposed to be the love interest, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's just, I mean, a hero mm-hmm. can rescue a princess, and that doesn't mean that they're, ha- you know, the they have to be right. destined. I, I don't know. I what I, One of the things I like about Zelda is that they never specifically do anything. Like, they imply it in a fair amount of situations, especially in uh, Breath of the Wild, where it's like Paya obviously has a, a thing for Link, and Mifa used to have a thing for Link before she died, and there's all that. And, you know, still there's Zelda, obviously, who is your most obvious possible love interest, but they really never give you enough information to solid to solidly to, say in the lore this is say this. yeah but yeah. you can read into it whatever you want <clears throat> yeah which is and that's why... one of the things i love about it because you know i feel like if link ever got together with zelda or somebody then all of the fanboys of the other waifu would be like so pissed off yeah no that that's <laughs> why you know i liked that i had this thing where you know i meet this princess as a little boy and then later on i save her as a man and whatever and i fight the lava dragon but also mm-hmm. My Link was in love with the farm girl. Mm-hmm. So that was just an awesome story. And I had the, and you have the interactions with her. And then there's the weirdos that like Zora for some reason. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, I want to make out with that seven tall man, seven foot tall man with a shark head. 
Prince Sidon X Link for the win, apparently. <laughs> you know, it's 2019. Everything flies. It's, I, it's fine. Everything yeah. is fine. I mean, yeah. But, like, you make out with him once and, and, and you're dead. His teeth are bigger than Link's head. Maybe he's got excellent, um... Do sharks have tongues? Uh, we're, we're really <laughs> diverging here. <laughs> okay, so anyways, uh, back... So, yeah, your, so gonna... your favorite expansion was the one where you make out with the giant shark man, <clears throat> and your least favorite expansion was not Wind Waker. I think we've established that. Yeah, uh, my least favorite was Zelda 2, because, uh, you know, it was the one that was a bad game. Uh, <laughs> the the one. Uh, but even, Worse than most. Yeah. Um... So I, I feel like there's a reason why that you know I'm I love that the Zelda series is so experimental, but I feel like there's a gigantic reason why they stopped trying to be some pseudo Metroidvania thing. After one attempt, they well, were like, "Let's yeah. go back to our roots." You know, the yeah. top-down style really works better for that style of adventure. Really works better for that style of exploration. You need some kind of more ranged attack than a you know three pixel long sword to do anything effective. Which is why I think Simon has a whip. <laughs> yeah, no, and, that uh, I was gonna and say. All the and Castlevania Sam- guys and Samus, Samus has a gun. Has a gun, you know? gun yeah, you know, and putting that in Link's hands just turns it into bow spam. Spam is delicious. Spam is delicious. I still hate fighting you sometimes in, in Smash. <laughs> I don't remember both spamming much. I, I did that in Soul Calibur 2. I was a real cheese maybe, dick with that. Maybe that I think was that's what it. you're thinking yeah, of. Yeah, that's what I was thinking Because I'd be like, like, at the worst possible time for you, I would throw bombs. And also, Link had the most broken weapons in that game, which really, really didn't did. help. Because, like, as a character, I feel like he was pretty well-balanced, but then you get that great fairy sword that does more damage than pretty much every other weapon in the game, like, only with the exception of, like, Nightmare's best weapon, which attacks a hell of a lot slower, because Nightmare is a big, heavy character, and Link is a, you know, nimble, quick yeah. guy. Uh, but also, it's constantly healing him through the entire match. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll admit, that was bullshit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it would... I feel like it was fair when you got the Biggeron sword because it was like almost as much damage as the Great Fairy Sword and it was damaging you through the entire fight right. as an offset for that buff. But then the Great Fairy Sword, you get that and you're just like, okay, there's no reason to ever use anything ever again. <laughs> this is the only sword worth using now. Perfectly balanced as all things should be. Yes. Um, yeah. But but then, yeah, because his... Other attacks, his bow, boomerang, and bombs were, like, interesting utility, but never... uh, Yeah. Like, I feel like you could get around them, you know, if if they were just spamming it, it wouldn't be very effective. Uh, So, but it it did add a weird utility that, compared to any other character... Because I think the only other real ranged weapon was uh, Cervantes had his gun... Yeah. But there was a weird button combo that you had to push to use yeah, that, that was, instead that was, of just pushing left on the C stick. Yeah, that was that was <laughs> not as direct. Yeah. Um, so speaking of uh, slightly more disappointing sequels and stuff, uh, let's go to Soul Calibur uh, Anything After 2. Hmm. Um, like, none I, of them were terrible. Uh, 3 was just kind of... It was only released on PS3, so I didn't release... I didn't play much of it. 
But it was like... I don't like, have a PS3. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, Chris has a PS3. I or a PS2? He had one back in the day. And so that's PS4? the only reason I played Soul Calibur 3. Um, and it was it was fine. It was like their, their big thing was they had the customizable characters... Uh, which is where that was introduced, and that became a kind of a staple of the series somehow. Which That's kind of right. Which uh, and that was, God, did we play that? We must. Have, we no. played Soul Calibur Four, and it was also in there because oh, that one came okay. out for Xbox 360 and PS3. I um, see. I was like, I know I had. It a also had character. the creator characters in, but uh, that was when they brought back the like kind of cameo characters because Soul Calibur Two, you had. Your system exclusive characters with uh, Link obviously on right. GameCube and Spawn and Heihachi for the other systems. Not that anybody <laughs> gave a shit about Heihachi. Right. They're like Tekken. That's the best you could do. You couldn't get like Cloud or somebody. Right. <laughs> the what? He's signing things to me, and I don't know what's going on. <laughs> okay. okay, so we will take a short break, and then we will. Escape back on the other side of this short break. And we're back from our break. Uh, maybe we should have had like some elevator music in between. Perfect. I have a harmonica in my pocket. I'm not I, just happy to see you. Yeah, no, I was, uh, I'm not here to judge. You didn't expect that, did you? Actually, I kind of did. And it's in the key of B-flat, so I can play it with my bagpipes. Oh, so you can play the bag monica. Yes. A joke that has not been funny since about 1996. Look that up, kids. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anywho, um... Yeah, so uh, then Soul Calibur uh, 4 came out, like we were saying, uh, had the character creator, and that was pretty cool. That was kind of the big signature three thing of that. Three had the character creator. Right, three had the character creator. But we didn't care about Four that. was still kind of the, that was their signature, but they brought back the cameos with the Star Wars characters. Right. With Yoda and Darth Vader, system exclusive, again, to PS3 and Xbox 360. Because uh, it didn't come out for Nintendo. Right, and then you could also unlock The Apprentice from that. We didn't actually make that. Forget about that. That's not canonical. Don't worry about it. But that was, like, one of the most fun Wii games, though. Well, of course it was, because... Just, like, even... Like, I didn't understand most of the story. And, and, and I was like, when did Darth Vader have time for an apprentice? That doesn't make any... But it was just so much fun to wave my hand and be like, I'm using the Force! And then I bought that friggin' giant peripheral for my lightsaber with yeah. the light-up blade. <laughs> I was a badass. It, it worked... <laughs> It, it, it admittedly worked better than midichlorians. Right. <laughs> or <laughs> or uh, the animated oh. Clone Wars series. Not the Gandhi Tartakovsky one, the crappy one. Right, the 3D one. Yeah. Or largely most anything that they've done. Mm -hmm. I mean, their side stories are where I actually like and care anymore. Mm hmm. <clears throat> Yeah. Well, and even then, I don't really think Solo needed to be a thing. I didn't think it needed to be a thing, but I thought it was, like, pretty well made. Yeah, and I, I was surprised, actually, at how well he carried across the character of Han Solo. Because uh, that was what I was kind of afraid of, because he looks far too pretty to be Han Solo. And but he acted it pretty well, so I was, I was like, that's okay. And then Donald Glover as Lando, I liked pretty Donald well, Donald Glover is just fantastic. Yeah. Um... Yeah. You know, the most disappointing thing about the fact that they may, in uh, completely unrelated related Disney um, 
ownership, Spider-Man, Donald Glover, is the uncle of Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Everyone's least favorite Spider-Man. No, sorry, Tobey Maguire. Everyone's second least favorite Spider- I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. No, actually, I really don't care much for Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. The rest of the those movies were cast fantastically. Yeah. And because they were the only versions of Spider-Man on the big screen that were not weird from the 70s in Japanese and not really Spider-Man <laughs> were... I mean, the movies were good, the first two, but right. really, Tobey Maguire is the worst of any actor that's played Spider-Man. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I haven't even seen Tobey Maguire in much that I cared for, really. Like, Pleasantville was okay. Yeah. And... He was in Biscuit. Yeah, I was thinking, I was like, what's that horse movie? Hidalgo? No, that's, that's the wrong no, horse that's movie. No, that's Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, that one was pretty good. Well, everything was Viggo Mortensen. Have you seen uh, History of Violence? No. Don't watch it with the wife or the kids. Okay, I will I will keep that in mind. But uh, it's fantastic. Awesome. Check out Viggo Mortensen and stuff. And he was also in K-19, The Widowmaker. Hmm. Okay. Mostly, I remember him obviously in Lord of the Rings. Obviously, um, and then Hidalgo, and I think I've seen him in something else, but I can't think of what the heck it is. Yeah, um, he's he's a very well-rounded actor. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, uh, the biggest problem I had with Soul Calibur Four was uh, the cameo characters because we didn't get the good one because we didn't have PS3. We had the Xbox 360 version, so we got Yoda, who is just like, he's neat, but, like, as a character at Soul Calibur, he was terrible. Because, like, he was... All of his moves were absurdly broken, but actually playing him was incredibly difficult to hit anybody because he couldn't walk. Right. You, you yeah, moved the, him, and he would jump, like, three feet in the air. Right, and because you, this it was... it was almost impossible to actually this, get him to land wherever the This was the era of wacky CGI flippy-dippy Yoda. Yeah. Uh, so that, that worked out really awkwardly. Uh, and then also, then when you were fighting against him as a computer, though, he was like, he could control it a lot easier than you because he was a computer. <laughs> and so he was like really good with his moves. And then one of the biggest issues we that I had was that he's, you know, half the size of any other character. And I'm pretty sure the programmers just didn't feel like making a s- different animation to throw him with every character. Which admittedly would be an extremely time-consuming process for very little gain. But their solution to this was that Yoda was just immune to all throws. Yes, yes. This is perfectly balanced and not broken in any way. Yeah. Is that like, it just that doesn't work. Bullshit. And then Soul Calibur Five, uh, like there wasn't really anything amazing about that game at all. Like the, the story was bad for a fighting game. <laughs> I was like, wow. This is this is like you were That's trying a low to make bar this. to shoot for right yeah too. I was like how did you do this because uh, they they introduced a storyline like most of the time in Soul Calibur games the Soul storyline is kind of generic like oh there's the Soul Calibur and then there's the uh, Soul Edge you know the evil version and you well know, I was gonna say Soul Edge is the original game and I remember playing that <laughs> yeah. when I was playing hooky from uh, um, uh, high school mm-hmm. right and then you get the you know it's, it's like 
generic kind of, oh, here's uh, why this character is fighting this character along their storyline. And it's like a one-sentence description, and it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But somehow that was better than they created, like, two unique characters and tried to set them in this world. They were like the prince and princess or something of this country, and somehow there was war for some reason, and then Solej was somehow adjacently involved, and really it just made no sense at all. The character creator wasn't nearly as good, if I remember. And then, mostly, it was just... Like, it wasn't even as fun to play as Soul Calibur 4. Uh, right. So... So, it's it's yeah. when... From a story standpoint, it's when they try too hard, mm-hmm. or don't try too hard enough. Yes. So, there we go. My most disappointing storyline <laughs> was... Sequel. Uh, st- sequel storyline. Yeah, was, was there, probably. Yeah. Probably there. Um, can't think of another one that I... I probably will, like, later this week, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, man, that one sucked. Oh, yeah. speaking of Fable, we forgot to mention Fable, but we were talking about that earlier. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. 2 and 3 were just, like, not even close to as good. No, Fable 2 was still good as a single player. Right. Pretending the it was controls multiplayer. were still, like, awkwardly clunky, and then the multiplayer was, like, a big advertising point, and then it was, like, terrible. Yeah. That was one yeah, of the issues that was with one it. of the bigger things. But then, of course, Peter Molyneux is renowned for promising the world and giving a globe. Mm-hmm. I mean, he promised more with the original Fable than actually was in there. The Fable Lost Chapters was an improvement. Mm-hmm. Was better. <clears throat> was basically more like what he had originally said the game would be and was it just a fantastic game the second mm-hmm. one was fun but also very difficult to ever rebuild yourself from one you know indiscriminate murder rampage that I may or may not have gone on on my pirate guy which that was the other cool thing was that you could be a pirate and there mm-hmm. were it felt like a fun you know it wasn't just medieval RPG and it still fit with the feel of Fable for the most part. So mm. I was okay with it. But it wasn't as strong as the original Fable. It wasn't as... Ironically, even though I think the original Fable had probably less actual spells or different things you could tweak your character with, it still felt <coughs> richer because everything that you did felt like it mattered a bit more. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. And then Fable Three was just like, uh, what else hey, can we do here. with this? Um, he, your level up system is for some reason also a playable part of the game. Your right, menu yeah, the, the is menu for some reason is like you have to walk into a different room, right? And then uh, access your treasure vault to use a fucking potion. It's like. <laughs> He can't even hotkey it anymore. Hang on, I need to change into my formal clothing. I need to enter an alternate dimension, walk into my wardrobe, equip my formal clothing, walk back out of the wardrobe, and then walk back out of this door while John Cleese, for some reason, is narrating. If it wasn't for John Cleese, that game would have been entirely unbearable. I did have a kilt. Huh, neat. Yeah, and then, like, then you get to that, like, in-game slash post-game bit where it's like, okay, so now you're given choices of how to, like, there's some great evil coming, and you have to choose, like, do you fuck the people of your town, 
or do you pay it partially out of pocket? But it's like an amount of gold that you actually can't have, I think. You can, it just takes forever, and that was where I never actually <laughs> beat Fable 3 because yeah. I was still farming 5 million gold. Yeah, that's where I was, because I was like, there's no, there's not I'm a like, good way I to farm like there the was in Fable ending, I, Yeah, I was two. doing so much in Fable 2, you could do different things like, uh, you know, barter here and there, and yeah, like, buy this here, your... run a route to the other side Ironically, of the world Fable 2, I, I unabashed took the uh, bad guy ending. It's not really because you had the three endings again. You could either, uh -huh. like, you make your wish and you can either bring back everyone that died making the giant tower of granting a wish to one evil warlord guy. And, like, everyone there was mm -hmm. like a volunteer. Like, everyone mm -hmm. just said, I'm going to help this, and you know, work toward this, and maybe they thought they were going to get the wish. I don't really know or remember. Mm -hmm. But it really seemed like everyone was there voluntarily. Because, like, yeah, and then yeah, they and were, then like, you actively trying to kill you most of the time yeah, when because you saw them, too. Because so you like, volunteered to be there, too, to get inside their ranks and whatever. Mm -hmm. So, like, I didn't care that all those people died. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really want... And I guess I probably took the middle ending because the other one was like gold. Like you could just get a million gold. And I'm like, right, I can yeah. just... I, I can like, get a million that was, gold. You could farm a million gold right, in I'm like 20 minutes. I'm like, I don't care about gold. But he killed my dog and my family. I'm going to get back my dog and my family and also the wife that I married out of... Uh, because that happened in part of a different part of the story. It's okay. You were drunk or something. Yeah, that that was it. Um, and then the guy tried to blackmail me after my two wives had actually accidentally met at one point, so I shot him in the face. And then I went back to my actual wife that I actually cared about, and she's like, oh, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, uh, fine. After, you know, he actually sent a letter to her, but she already knew. So it was fine. Mm hmm you know, it, it had good things, but I brought them back to life and I brought my dog back to life because I didn't care about the people who had died because of their own hubris. Because mm -hmm. I hadn't died because of my own hubris. I had lived despite my hubris, and that was my story. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, Fable 3, you know, it just... Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Fable 3 is so bad that we're going to move on to our table topic. <laughs> Unless you have a last thought. Mass Effect 3. Mass Effect 3. I never played much Mass Effect of any of them. I played the first one uh, for a while, but it never really hooked me. Uh, couldn't it was action shooter it was RPG. Fine. It was like it, was it, it felt like worse Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, but at the same time, it was like better Fallout because it didn't have like the stop time <laughs> called shot, headshot, tudder, you're I like done. that. Well, yeah, but it was at the it same was cool. time. It's like, it, I, I felt like it wasn't terribly overpowered because you like you had a limit of how much you could use your vats, right? Uh, so it, it wasn't like it, it, game breaking. Yeah, but it was still kind of like it, it. It always drew me out of the whole. Like I would either want an action RPG or an RPG. It it hybridized it a little too much mm -hmm. as having a stop time, and you could do that in Knights of the Old Republic, right? Oh, bad sequels, Knights of the Old Republic 2. Oh, yeah. I, I never got out of the opening area. I wandered around as the fucking droid for like 
two hours. Yeah, no, okay. Like, so. it doesn't tell you where to go. I'm not talking to every person here. I have no idea. And I was just like, done. Not, that not was the it. downside of the first Knights of the Old Republic, which worked for its stories that you spend, like, the first three or four hours without a lightsaber is not a Jedi, and then you're a Jedi, and then you're a Knight of the Old Republic, and it makes sense. The second one, you do mm-hmm. the same thing, just not... Because you're not a Jedi, or not expecting to be a Jedi, but because you decided not to be a Jedi for a minute, mm. because you didn't think you could, and you're like, well, here's my vibroblade, and now I've wasted a bunch of feats on not being a Jedi, because now I have to be a Jedi to save the universe. Mm. And it was not good. Mm-hmm. Again, Team B. I just remembered the other piece of news I forgot. Oh. Do you want to talk about the news? Yeah, <laughs> back to the news. So uh, interesting. I thought it was interesting and also a little like kind of weird and awkward. Uh, so Pokemon Go just introduced a new thing for the first. I mean, they they introduced new things pretty regularly, but this is the first time they've done something quite like this. There's a special event on next Saturday, I believe, November 2nd, that you can buy a ticket to for $7.99 in-game. Uh, and then you get like... it. I'm not sure exactly all the details, but it's like for the certain time of the event, you get like extra free raid passes instead of just the one free raid pass you get every day. So it's effectively 10 raid passes, which if you were to buy those in-game, that would be 10 raid passes for 8 bucks would actually be a pretty good deal. Right. Because they're normally a dollar each if you want to actually buy them. Uh, but these are you can't buy this with Pokecoins, so you actually have to spend literal money on this. And then at the end of the day somewhere, you get uh, a chance to uh, do a raid uh, or a quest or something to catch Regigigas, who is going to be the next uh, Pokemon in EX raids, uh, f- like... Mewtwo started and um, right uh, that thing. So it's it's going to be available in the game later, but not yet. But you it's, can. But this pay. will be the first time you can get it, and then you pretty much like if you play through the whole time, I'm sure you can just just get one. Basically, you're basically paying eight bucks for a Regigigas early. Yeah, is is my kind of interpretation of it. That, so what do you think about that kind of uh, thing? It's. <laughs> I've spent money on Pokemon Go mostly for Pokeballs when I was first kind of starting. Now my bag is always full. I still mm-hmm. play. Played since day one. I'm sure that there's somebody that really wants to spend eight bucks for Regigigas. Yeah. It's a Gen 3 super legendary. Sure. Yeah. Super legendary. Something See? Like that. <laughs> I played Gen 1. Where there was one legendary? It was, it was technically four. It was... Well, yeah, okay. There were four. Three of them were obtainable in-game. One was a myth unless you, like, hacked it. Or, right. yeah, none of that other stuff moving the truck outside the SSN. None of that actually worked. Right. It was all complete. There is a glitch that you can do that I got. Uh, yeah, uh, you, can, you can glitch. I mean, it's not actually officially <coughs> supposed to be obtainable in-game. Right, yeah. Uh, they did have, like conventions where they the reason it was programmed in the game was so that they could give yeah. it to you as a prize for going to the convention or but that was like that. back in the day when it was 1996 <laughs> again mm-hmm. things were different yeah and because yeah. now I'm sure any old guy on Etsy is willing to sell you a hacked version of the game where you start with 10 Mews in your inventory or something yeah <laughs> and pick your starter do you want Mew Mewtwo or Tyranitar Right. Well, and that's that's the thing is, Pokemon Go has helped me helped me learn more about other generations. Uh, let's go. We got Eevee. It was a lot of fun. We played through it, and having co op in a Pokemon game 
Yeah, that was kind of fun. Uh, it yes. actually helped me with uh, Logan playing with my five-year-old. Yeah. Because uh, he'd just play the game, and then I'd be on the other controller, so I didn't have to pay attention. But then when we get in a battle, I can help him out and be like, oh, you should use this attack. It's super effective or whatever. Um, yeah, we had the greatest <clears throat> time, Katie and I, my wife and I. And mm-hmm. we just played the game together. You know, we would battle together. It's overpowered. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be the first to admit it's it's a bit cheesy, but mm-hmm. it's fun. Yeah. And just playing together was worth it. It wasn't just, oh, we can trade or battle Pokemon. Right. And I'm really hoping that Sword and Shield, does that have anything like that? Um, Not be- that they've announced. But they do have a new Ponyta ev- evolution. Yeah, that looks kind of neat, but it's exclusive to Shield. So, so I'm buying Shield. Yeah. Uh, what are you getting? Uh, I'm getting Shield and April's getting Sword, because I didn't actually oh, care, right, and cause... she was like, she wants the... But then I can get a whatever, you know, I can trade right. for whatever but, I want. But so I that's, see, that's fine. me, Unicorn, got it, done, <laughs> right, sold, yeah. <laughs> gonna get it based on the fact that there's a Unicorn. Right. I, I'm, I'm still reeling over Hilarious Farfetch'd with a sword, though. Also Which hilarious. Is the opposite uh, Pokemon sh- Sword exclusive. Right. So that's going to be kind of interesting. It is. I, I think know. it's also kind of interesting that at this point they haven't announced nearly as much as they usually do for a Pokemon game. Because, like, before Sun and Moon came out, they've. Like, this is about a month out. It comes out next month. Right. We're going to get Sword and Shield. And by this time, I feel like we'd seen at least the middle evolutions, maybe all of the evolutions of the starter Pokemon. We'd seen. A lot of the new, uh, let's see, they they showed off that they were including Mega Forms again. They showed off the Z moves, which was what their big gimmick was in that generation. Yeah, I just they gotta have a gimmick. <laughs> Everything's gotta have a gimmick. You can't just collect Pokemon and play with them anymore. Right. Uh, that that's where I'm losing. Like, let's go they're like here's your ex or z or evolution or something it works once and you need it i'm like i don't need it in any battle for any reason Mm -hmm. like i never would have used this because it's like oh i need to save it for a really special occasion where i really need to be really overpowered for oh wait i beat blue originally with an abra I don't think I actually need any sort of, like, last ditch, here's my mega super Charizard <laughs> overpowered effect. Right. Seriously. I, 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 anything that's not a, a, a finalized, like if you use the thing and then you've got a super EX Charizard or whatever, cool, fine, different evolution of Charizard, go with it. If it's a one use and then you win this battle because your Pokemon is for once way overpowered, more again right i don't care that did kind of make grinding kind of silly in that pokemon game because it was like oh look here's a thing i use my z move because i can and whatever it is in the area that i'm leveling up in pretty much just dies yeah and then i get my experience and i can move on and i don't have to spend time battling it i just push the z move and it's dead which okay we're good uh guardian course Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I have gotten in more into later Pokemon generations mm-hmm. and understand more of them. And um, Typhlosion is aesthetically the weakest of the Gen 2 starters. Fight me. He's my favorite. He's a giant rat with a big butt. And fire mane. Well, that's cool. <laughs> but Typhlosion... 
Charizard. Charizard is just like a Charizard. Well, yeah. No, and don't get me wrong. Uh, Cyndaquil, cool, cute, like. Uh, I like Cyndaquil. Like Char, uh, like Charmander. He's mine for life. Quillava, bigger, cooler Cyndaquil, kind of that edgy teen thing like Charmeleon <laughs> has. Right. And then he just gets bigger. Right. He doesn't turn into a literal dragon. He doesn't grow wings. He doesn't become a fancier fire lizard. He's just a bigger rat. I mean, a bigger uh, sort of... Um, I mean, Meganium did that just as badly, maybe if not worse. Meganium's better, though. It, it's at least a different shape. It's not just... It's the same. It's just a giraffe with a leaf on its head. It's not... It, 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 it's, it's a different shape. All it's right, we're getting off topic. Just again. the same as <laughs> Bailey for uh, Chikorita. They that just get bigger. For alligator gets buff. For alligator does get buff. He's kind of neat. Anyway, of course, I was a Bulbasaur. So I guess we'll so. get back to our table topic that we were going to start like half an hour ago or something. You, you I wasn't actually. I blame you. I blame you too, or something. You blame you too. Yeah, him. That dick. Okay. Uh, so, speaking on the topic of uh, DLC uh, and uh, expansions, we're going to talk about tabletop expansions. Because tabletop expansion books, obviously, are a big thing. Uh, you know, once they release their tabletop, they got to, you know, build upon it. Uh, so, my question today is partially going to be, why are expansion books not seen in a negative light like DLC is? And also, then, maybe we'll just talk about some of our favorite and least favorite uh, books. Because, literally, I feel like they're exactly the same thing as DLC. You're paying some more money for a thing that makes your original thing bigger. You know, well, yes. This would be a good thing to bring up to Chris, who actually writes DLC. I mean, tabletop books. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I actually gave this some thought. Because I uh, saw the topic and I thought to myself, what is the difference? Here's the difference. It is not DLC. It is an expansion. Mm -hmm. You go and uh, you buy whatever latest edition Dungeons & Dragons. Sixth edition? Is that a thing yet? Uh, fifth as far as I, I... I think there's been some vague murmurings of sixth edition. I wouldn't okay, be surprised I'm, if it'll come out. I'm not going to lie. I'm really out of touch. The last one I played was fourth. Right. I'm so sorry. Oh. <laughs> well, it was basically World Fourth of Warcraft okay. in uh, text form. So uh, the three right. is the I mean, one that I understand the best. Yeah, fourth fourth was an okay addition, but it, it really just didn't feel like D and D. Yeah, um, it was really trying to cater to a very much more casual audience, which is good. Yeah, I mean, it, it has to evolve. It, that really, was, it did bring in a lot of people, and I feel like it's one of the reasons why D and D is so popular as it is now. But yeah. then fifth kind of solidified that by bringing it back to a lot more of the core D and D. It really did, like from what you guys from were, the mechanics. Yeah, side. mechanically, yeah. what you guys were talking about before, um, <laughs> you and Chris. It really sounded a lot more like fifth was a lot more like third, which was yeah. better than what second was. Because I started yeah. playing in during the time of second edition, we did use some first edition stuff. Mm -hmm. 
And then when third edition came out, we're like, oh, this is so great. It's so straightforward. It's like, mm-hmm. this is plus, this is minus. There's no more calculating minus. You know, you're no longer taking 20 and subtracting things to figure out whether or not you have to roll more than that to hit. Right. It was funny because actually I started with third edition and then going back, I was like, why would they do things like this? And then I, at some point, had an epiphany that Thacko was literally the Two same AC0. Yeah, it's it's the same mathematically as how it works in 3rd edition where you roll to hit, but it's explained in the opposite order. Right. And well, and, it's and, and, so and your skills weird. instead and of rolling like, a d20. And I was like I understand it now, but it's so I understand where the math came from, but I'm like why would you explain it like that as opposed to 3rd edition? But I guess it's just one of those things that you rolled with yeah. Ha. But uh, yeah, it was the same thing I have with to skills. Drink. We so made a pun. Yeah. You'll drink to that. I'll drink to that. Okay. It was the same thing with skills. You would roll a percentile die and you would have a percentage chance. I actually did kind of like percent based skills. Well, and that's the thing is because you could go more than just. I mean, a d20 is still percent based skills, it's just in right. multiples of five. Yeah. So if you have a 95% chance, you have to roll not a one. Yes. Same thing. Right. But, anyway, um, back on the subject of expansions versus DLC versus different tabletop books. If you buy your Dungeons & Dragons player manual, (laughs) whatever the thing is these days, it's probably more money than I care to spend, which is why I haven't played any editions since (laughs) 4th. Luckily, I hang out with people like Chris that just buy a crapload of tabletop books and read them for fun. Right. And and also, you know, people that, like, we have a couple of people in our group that are just like, okay, yeah, new D&D edition have come out. I'll, I'll just yeah, get the book. Yeah, and then I'm like, too. I don't I mean, need the book because Tyler I, I, and Daniel and Chris all have it. So I won my Peyton. third edition book at an, uh, at an <coughs> RPGA tournament. Mm-hmm. That was how I got my third third edition book. I never had a 3.5. I bought a fourth because I was DMing all the time. (laughs) The difference is that when you buy a player's handbook, that's the base game. That's how you play the game. (laughs) It's 200 pages. Give or take. And it's how you play the game. It's the base game. (laughs) When you buy the DMG, that's usually more specialized. It's again about 200 pages. It has more stuff. But everything that you buy from that, say you buy something about how psionicism works mm-hmm. in whatever thing that somebody wants to just be overpowered and bolt on, you know, mysticism with their mind onto the middle of a thing that already has magic and dragons in it and doesn't need psychics or <laughs> it can just be like, I can be a wizard and I can just be psychic and I can... You know, do the McElvoy thing of pointing at my temple and for some reason somebody bursts into flame. Fine! I don't care. Mm-hmm. Psionicism is overrated, is mostly what I'm saying. Right. But you buy that book, it's about 200 pages, and it costs about the same as your player's handbook. Right. It's like WoW expansions. The original World of Warcraft was about 50-60 bucks. Every expansion is about 50-60 bucks. It's the same. It gives the same amount of content mm-hmm. as the original. It adds... Something that you can't really play without the base one. Right. But it gives you new things, new characters, new classes, new dynamics, new maps, new rules. Just everything new. Again, Mm -hmm. the DMG is a little bit of an outlier. Right. Maybe the Monster Manual, if they still do those, that's again... Yeah. That's kind of core rule books you don't really worry about in in a tabletop. But... Right. 
You know, like when we were playing uh, Swashbuckling Adventures, which was the D20 version of 7th C, it mm. added literally a whole world that you could play in. It had a setting, it had feats, it had different abilities you could do, it had hubris, it had flaws, it had advantages, it had all these different things. It had everything you would need to basically play the game except for like how basic D20 <coughs> works in the first place. Right. So why wouldn't you pay as much for literally an entire game worth of content? I, that makes sense. That's more like yeah. an expansion. DLC. DLC is compartmentalized. DLC is like, do you want this gun in Fortnite? Do you want this level in, you know, I don't know. I don't think Smash does DLC, but it's uh, usually... Smash does DLC where you can buy extra characters or like extra uh, costumes for your me characters. Or okay, yeah, songs so, that so you can much, play in the background of your stage. But stuff how like much that. is a Smash DLC? Uh, the the character costumes for your me fighters are, I think, like seventy five cents a piece, and then for the fighter packs. I think they're like $5 each, or you can get them all bundled, the five of them, which each fighter pack uh, comes with one fighter, right. a stage for that fighter, and then a handful of music tracks. Okay. And you can get all five of them bundled in for 20 I think. Right. So that's the so thing. Is it's like still that. cheaper than the base game. Right, it, yeah. It, it's an add-on. It's a couple of levels. It's a couple of fighters. It's a couple of whatever. Right. That's where DLC differs, is mm -hmm. a tabletop expansion book or a tabletop book that's secondary is going to expand your game almost as much or maybe more than the base game itself was, like an expansion does. That's right. why it's worth the same. That's why less people complain, is it gives them more for mm -hmm. the same price. If you were paying $60, price of a new game, for five new Smash characters and five Smash stages, when the base game came with a hundred characters and fifty stages or whatever. Right. Actually, let's, let's see. I think it was uh, uh, 70 characters, I believe, and 103 stages. Yeah. So, yeah. So, again, <clears throat> that's why a decent size of chunk is, you know, five bucks or whatever. You know, that makes sense. Right, yeah. So, but then I kind of question it because sometimes they, you'll get DLCs that are more like that, where it is more of a almost an add-on to the game in that's almost as much of a game, uh, but it'll be advertised as DLC because it is technically a downloadable thing that you need the original to play. Like uh, the example I'm thinking of is um, Xenoblade Chronicles Two. Uh, came out with a DLC expansion uh, called Torna the Gold Country, which basically is a prequel story, which is completely separate. The story is like, it gives you a lot more on the lore, uses different characters, same battle system, same all of that, uh, and it's uh, $40 instead of $60, but it adds something like that. But it's, again, advertised as DLC, and so people kind of were like, I'm not going to pay $40 for a DLC. Why is it that they won't look at this as, like, it's a almost a full game size DLC, uh, and but because it's called DLC, 
that's why. It's because it's called DLC. Yeah. It's because everyone says, oh, DLC, DLC is bad. DLC, I don't like it that it didn't come with my base game. If you can offer it later on in the store, why didn't you just put it in the base game? Yeah, I think that's kind of a weird argument, too, though, because obviously you've got deadlines, you've got release dates and things, you got crunch right. is a and, and that's huge the thing, thing is in the you, game if development. If you sell a, a grand game... Now, let's look at Oblivion mm-hmm. as, an, as an exemplar, because Oblivion had horse armor. Mm-hmm. There were other things of the later expansion packs, but that was like the first real big DLC that I remember seeing offered and advertised and things like that. It's like, you can put armor on your horse. I'm like, I don't even have a horse. Right, yeah. I didn't even remember you could have a horse in that game. I t- <laughs> right? Like, what would a horse do for you in that game? I, t- I just... Like, I feel like horses in big open-world games and stuff like that don't really help very right, much. Right, that was also the one they had fast travel in the first place. <laughs> right, yeah, you've got that, and then on top of that, like, you'll have to get off your horse probably to go into any dungeon, probably. Yeah. And, you know, so, certain areas you'll be like, oh, my horse can't get up there, but I've got a huge jump skill or something, so I can scale the side of that mountain to see what's on top right, right over the crest but, of this but, hill. Or, but, you know, again, that's why I never had my horse in Breath of the Wild is because I got horses occasionally. I'd tame them, uh, and then I'd ride them somewhere to where I needed to climb to get somewhere, yeah. and then I'd climb, and then I'd leave them at the bottom of a hill somewhere, yeah, and, then and then I'd be like, oh, shit. So that's why I love the, actually, a good DLC, uh, 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 the champion's ballad, because uh, at the end of that you get a spell that lets you summon a motorcycle, which is fucking hilarious. First of all, and yeah. I love their explanation for it though is that uh, this is Link's divine beast, because the four champions had their divine beast. You know, uh, Daruk the Goron is riding this giant lizard and right. you got the giant elephant for the Zora and and all that, and Link has a horse. That's this mechanical horse is his divine beast that he can just ride around on and, you know, jump off of, shoot arrows and then, you know, just climb over a cliff and summon it up up, up at the top of the mountain and fucking motorcycle down. It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't know that you could, like, sell me on a motorcycle in a Zelda game, but they did it. <laughs> yeah. No. And, and, and well... Also, the rest of the DLC was just great because it's like everything you love about Breath of the Wild, there's more of it. That's all they did. You know, it, it wasn't like groundbreakingly amazing story. The story was presented basically the same way the original was, but it gave you a little more character into the champions uh, and into Cass. Yeah. Uh, and gave you a bunch of new shrines to explore. Yeah, it, it just adds more to the base game. But again, that's where DLC is a very broad term. And it's yeah. got a negative connotation because of <laughs> things like, oh, it's DLC. You know, to look different is a DLC. To have a different skin on your gun, DLC. It's all monetized. It's all... Yeah. It's just got a bad name because of things like EA, because of things like Bethesda. Mm-hmm. As much as I love some of their games, other ones are terrible. You know, like the one where the expansion where you add, like, I think a part of Morrowind to Oblivion is good. Mm-hmm. That was a DLC, and it was in the Game of the Year edition, which is the one I got. Yeah. So, again, there's things. There was one where I think you added part of Daggerfell to Morrowind. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like. Doom 3, Resurrection of Evil. Mm-hmm. I don't 
remember now if it was the full price of a normal AAA title at the time. I right, yeah, because it, it, it was it was as a sequel. It was a separate thing. You didn't it like, was, need Doom 3 to play right, the disc. But it was basically it was Doom 3's engine. It was... It doesn't feel like it was even as long as yeah. Doom. And now it's actually 3. also included... If you buy Doom 3, they just re-released on uh, PlayStation 4 and Switch and Xbox One, I think. Uh, and per- obviously PC 2, probably. PC probably had it, like, months ago. Probably, probably, yeah. <laughs> Knowing how Bethesda and, you know, that all works. They're just like, PC, and then, oh, yeah, we'll get to consoles eventually. It's, it's fine. Uh, but... Um, Doom Three actually now comes with uh, with that just as part of the game now. If yeah. you buy Doom Three for Switch, it comes with it. Right, right, and that that's how future releases of Morrowind had all the DLC bits added. Um, Oblivion Game of the Year had all the DLC bits added. Mm-hmm. So DLC that's like an expansion that includes an entire new landmass, new quests, new monsters, new items, things like that. If it's a whole new game and it costs as much as the whole game, that's fine. If it's a third of a new game and it costs 20 bucks instead of 60 that's fine again. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just the marketing of calling it DLC versus calling it an expansion. Right. I wonder if that is kind of partially true or because i i feel like there's definitely like as soon as you say dlc a lot of people will just roll their eyes oh there's dlc it should have been included in the base game because this this argument was brought up for smash brothers uh especially since like with the, with their pricing they're like oh i'm paying five dollars a fighter instead of you know when i got the base game it's it's i paid you know, 60 bucks, and I got 60 fighters. Why am I not paying $1 right. fighter? And I think that's also kind of a weak argument because obviously it takes a lot of time and development and, you know, strings to pull to get a lot of these third-party characters because all the, all the DLC characters have also been third-party non-Nintendo characters. Now, that actually would sell <laughs> me more on it because <laughs> now third-party, you know, wackadaisical, I don't know, Solid Snake, I know I think he was in the base game. Yeah, Solid Snake was, because they brought him back, because he was back in but uh, like Smash that, Brothers. That's Brawl. the other thing, is, you know, you basically you pay 60 for the base game, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You get all your base fighters, it's all good. The ones that are like, oh, well, I mean, if they pulled in somebody from Fire Emblem, you'd buy it in a heartbeat. I probably would, yeah, uh, depending I on who. don't even know who it would have been. Right, yeah. Like, there's Roy and there's Marth. Yeah, they're already in. <laughs> yeah, those are the ones I know because they were... Because they were in Super Smash Brothers yes, Melee. Yes, <laughs> I didn't play Fire Emblem. Yeah. I don't know those characters. So mm-hmm. you would buy those characters as DLC, but I wouldn't have to. Yeah. So I'd save myself five or ten bucks. Right. But if they came out with... Terry Bogard. Yeah, I'd buy him. Guess who's coming? <laughs> really? Yeah. That's kind of awesome. Yeah, he's supposed to be released, I think, November or December. I forget. Um, is Ryu in there? Yes, Ryu is in there. Uh, and Ken. Okay. Are both in there. Is so, Sagat? No. Zangief? Uh, no. Those those are the only two. They took the two biggest ones, obviously. Who is Ken the biggest one? He's just... 
Because partially he's easier because he is advertised. He's not advertised as a new character. He was advertised as what they are calling an Echo Fighter, which is obviously a clone with a couple of tweaks. I was going to say, yeah. Actually, I really like the fact that they took this whole thing that, like, people, when Super Smash Bros. 4 came out, people are all coming, you know, complaining that, oh, there's too many uh, clone fighters. There's Pit and Dark Pit and there's this and that. Uh, and, you know, obviously some of the Fire Emblem characters, Lucina and Marth are the same character. Right. Uh, and then, like, Marth and Roy are actually not very different either. They've got, like, a couple of different moves and then Roy hits harder and is slower. Uh, right. It's the big difference, mostly. So it's like But Mario then when they started advertising this... Um, they had like a video with Masahiro Sakurai, who's the creator of Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, came out and he's like, "We're introducing a new term, Echo Fighters, for this." And and it's like that's such a clever idea because now everybody's on board with it and they're like, "Ooh, we want this guy as an Echo Fighter for this guy and this guy is you know." And I'm like, "How the hell did they do that? It's hilarious." Masahiro Sakurai is kind of a genius. Yeah, <laughs> but that's. Also, the the genius of it is they can market specific fighters, well, because they just basically come out with whoever they can, right? to whoever would actually like that character is going to mm-hmm. buy it. But they yeah. can basically, you know, they can also mar- you know, figure out, like, who should we add next time baseline, like Sonic or whatever. Right. Sonic was probably already in there. Yeah, Sonic has been in since uh, Smash Brothers Brawl. Yeah, so obviously mm-hmm. I'm a bit out of date, yeah. but you get the idea. You played some brawl with me back in the wee days. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. how much. Some, yeah, some, yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. <coughs> we've we've gotten hugely off topic, but not because we're basically discussing the difference between DLC. Half the fun of this podcast is that we get off topic and drink beer instead of whatever we were supposed to be doing. I like that. It's probably. Probably the best for the flow. But the (laughs) point is, now, if we kind of look at how we've been discussing this, is that there's different things that appeal to us for different reasons. And that's why I think people like books. And, And it's because you would buy fire emblem characters and i would buy street fighter or king of fighters or yeah. streets of rage characters mm-hmm. if i could get mike hagar yeah i would i would buy him in a heartbeat i don't mm-hmm. even own smash brothers i would buy smash brothers and buy mike hagar right <laughs> yeah that's kind of who's basically kind of pro- how i was with uh with the dlc because first there the first dlc character they had was joker from persona and i'm like I've always kind of looked at Persona and been like, I kind of want to play that, but I never have actually played one. And then they had uh, the hero from the Dragon Quest games. I'm still kind of like, I played same, Dragon same Quest. kind of thing. Neat. Uh, I bought Dragon Quest Eight and gave it to Daniel for Christmas one year, and then I I never actually played. Yeah, it. that sounds like a Daniel game. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> it's it's you know big action RPG. Uh, or actually, you know, not even action RPG, just traditional JRPG. Right. And animated by the same guy that made Dragon Ball. It's totally Daniel. <laughs> Dude, 900%. And then they Sorry, were like... 9,001%. Over 9,000? Yeah, perfect. All right, ha. we have to drink for that, Joe. Yep. Mm. 
And then Banjo-Kazooie, I'm like, okay, I played a little Banjo-Kazooie back in the day. We never owned it. No. But I played it uh, with my buddy, and I remember playing it when we went over to the one of the local McDonald's's used to have <laughs> yeah. 64s, and I played Banjo-Tooie, actually, was the one in there. So um, 64th and Sheridan. Um, I think it was 64th and Maybe it's Wadsworth. Across the street from the Mexican place in Arvada High School. Yes. Yeah. Anyways. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I played a little bit of that. And so I was like, eh, I'm not huge on Banjo-Kazooie. But, you know, I'm all three of these characters, I'm like, I'm glad that he's there for whoever wants it. And then they announced Terry Bogard, and I bought the pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, but that's, that's where they get you with DLC is you're like, oh, yeah, I like that, that bit for my game. So you'll buy that bit for your game. Now, in tabletop mm-hmm. RPGs, you spend 40 bucks for a book, or whatever, mm-hmm. for a 200-page book. You're like, okay, that's good. And mm-hmm. then they, you know, Wizards of the Coast, mm-hmm. when it, when I was a kid, it was TSR. Whoa. Oh. You're an old guy. I am. <laughs> but when I was a kid, it was TSR. And there was still the Monstrous Manual. Not Monster Manual, Monstrous Manual, I, I think. Mm-hmm. There was all these different manuals. There was... I remember when they came out with like the half price, like it was 20 bucks for the Cleric. The, or the Quintessential Cleric. The Quintessential Fighter. The Quintessential Bard. Mm-hmm. There was a, a source book that was about half the size of a normal one for half the price of a normal one for just one class. Right, but it was still, if I remember those books right, they were still like additional oh, yeah. content and like some hybrid classes and stuff like that. Yeah, they like added that. a lot of stuff, but that's the thing is like if you're a cleric player and you buy it, then you say to your DM, hey, I want to play this kind of cleric that I found in this kind of book. And he looks at it. He's like, okay, it should be balanced. It's been play tested. It's an official wizard's product. He reads over it. He says, this sounds fine. You build mm-hmm. your character up based on that. Your DM doesn't buy that book. The other players don't buy that book. Mm-hmm. You buy that book. Right. It's mitigated by the fact that you'll have a five-person group, say, and a DM. Mm-hmm. So that's six people. Six people get the bun- benefit of an extra book, which you bought because you like a cleric. Mm-hmm. And then the fighter likes the fighter-cleric hybrid and plays that or something. Right. Or or the bard. <clears throat> okay, so I'm weird. Um, <laughs> Good old bards. The, 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 idea, the idea is that... Right. I'm a bard. I have a harmonica in my pocket. You're not wrong. <laughs> I maxed out perform drums. <laughs> so I can just hit anything and make rhythm. I can't play anything on my harmonica except for bagpipe tunes. I can inhale for a really long time, but I not very steadily. 
the important thing is that sounds better than your damn high note crowing. I Any- fixed it. I know. <laughs> anyway, uh, so it's again marketed to specific people. I don't want to buy Fire Emblem characters. Right. For Smash. Mm-hmm. You do. You might not buy a wizarding book. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might. Chris would. Yeah. Well, Chris is the target demographic that they just sell everything to. We've been over that. Mm-hmm. I would buy the Bard book. I would Actually, I did oddly buy a uh, caster-based book once called Tome and Blood, uh, which well, was kind of uh, interesting because that was an expansion for 3.5 D&D, I th- maybe 3.0. One of the... It's, Third hazy, whatever. D20. Yeah. (laughs) So it was an expansion for that. And actually it was funny because I found it and I was like like flipping through it and there's like one uh, new class called the Blood Mage or something that does all sorts of neat stuff. And I was like, that's a cool class. I'm going to buy this book. And then I bought it and then I haven't actually actually ever played one. (laughs) See, see, but that's the thing is, is, again, it's like an expansion, but marketed to specific people who will actually utilize that. And if you buy the book, your DM doesn't have to. Your player group doesn't have to. There are always going to be people who just buy everything, who buy every DLC, who pay for the pass. <coughs> Chris. <coughs> yeah. Who get everything they can because that's just, they want all the options all the time. Mm. There are people that say, I want the option for, um, to use, I don't know, just Lurch as an example. He's going to buy barbarians and maybe mages. I mean, wizards. Mm. Been playing WoW with him too long. (laughs) Those are kind of the things he does. Big damage, glass cannon, that's Lurch. Yep. That's what he's going to go after. If If there was a DLC for Smash, he'd probably buy Zangief. Right? <laughs> or Mike Hagar. Right. So that's where he'd go with it. But when you buy an RPG book, it, it, part of the idea is that also role-playing games, tabletop, have been around since the 1970s or before. Gary Gygax, everything. You know, you, you, you expect to buy a book. <laughs> Everybody probably buys a player's handbook or... 70-80% of players. Right. Then you buy things that are interesting to you. Like, I'm the only one in our gaming group who bought Swashbuckling Adventures in the, D- in the D20 days. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I really love Swashbuckling. I love Errol Flynn. I love uh, The Three Musketeers. I love those kind of swashbuckling movies. If I can set a D&D game in that, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. And I bought it. Other people used it. We all kind of went together and figured out what characters, what classes, what other people would do, but we all only needed one book. Right. It was more than worth it to me. But it was more than worth it to me just to have that book for myself so that in a game where everyone else is playing a regular, you know, bog-standard, leather-wearing, rogue, melee plate fighter ranger with you know a bow and an animal companion whatever mm-hmm. i could play a blue-haired swashbuckling sea elf that throws a katana at people yeah isn't and that what we all want to be when we grow up exactly 
part of the part of it is marketing because it was partially just like, oh, that sounds like fun to me. Mm-hmm. Part of it was not calling it, you know, Dungeons and Dragons Expansion Five. Right. Because you're just like, well, I've already got expansions one, two. Why would I need five if I don't have three and four? Right. Part of it's not just calling like you know a D twenty expansion booklet. They'd mm. always say it's swashbuckling adventures, compatible with D twenty. Right. So it's it's like buying off brand Legos. Mm-hmm. They still click together. Yeah, they still <laughs> click together. It still works. It might not be play tested by the same people. It might not be entirely balanced. But it might work. Right. In some cases, Mega Bloks might actually just make things that are way cheaper and look way fucking cooler than Legos. Right. But at the same time, you might also buy swashbuckling adventures, and for some reason, your first level... uh, God, I think we made a first level fencing fighter who had a weapon that did a D4 and an AC of 21, and he wasn't wearing armor. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Because there was like some modifier he could take where his weapon was weighted toward the hilt and it would give him a plus two AC, but it'd only do a D4 instead of a D6 for a rapier. And then, of course, he had like all three of his feats for being a first level character, a first level fighter, and a first level human. Right. Or whatever were based on the unarmored defense proficiency. So naturally, he had an AC of 21 at first level and he could not be hit and he only did a D4 damage at any point, which meant that he was just basically sitting there, Tim Roth poking people to death. <laughs> yeah. Some of those, I feel like there was some of those in that swashbuckler book that were like really broken though, too. Like, uh, the, wasn't that pistol gripped weapon modifier in there? Yeah. Where it's like, you can take one or up to five out of your attack roll or something, or maybe even up to your base attack bonus. It's like power attack, but instead of adding that to your damage, you added that to your critical threat range or something. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, so I take a minus five, but if I roll a 12, I crit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was the same thing with that was how I broke the Temple of Elemental Evil with Marcus the Lightbringer is because <laughs> he had a feat out of there that was like I automatically subtracted one from every damage roll against him because he was, you know, guided by the stars or something like that and he mm-hmm. had damage reduction based on being brawny because he had sufficient constitution modifier. So like I would walk up to crossbow traps and step on them and it would fire the crossbow bolt at me and if it didn't roll like above 50% damage, it wouldn't hurt me at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, yep. And if it doesn't do damage, like it didn't do poison because it wouldn't actually have hit or something, I don't really remember. Daniel was just very upset with me. (laughs) The point is, again, it's marketing. Yeah. So DLC is too broad a term. Some people, you know, some DLCs are cool. You and I have both bought DLC for many things. Mm -hmm. And we've avoided DLC for other things based on the marketing. Yeah. So DLC is a bad thing for anyone to call anything in this modern age of monetized, free-to-play, freemium apps on the mobile devices. Yeah. Free-to-play, pay-to-win. Yeah. (laughs) That was kind of my issue with Hearthstone. Because Hearthstone was a cool concept, but, like, I've played enough Magic that I'm, like, and and other games like that. Magic is already pay-to-win because of resellers. Yeah. But at the same time, like, you can buy a budget deck and and have fun with casuals. Yeah. So, but 
kind of works like that. Right, but I played enough Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon card game and stuff like that that I'm like, I have a pretty good understanding of how card game works. And so, like, I kicked everybody's ass when I started playing because, like, mostly it starts you playing against people that are also starting playing. When you start playing, you're, like, in that low tier. Right. And then I started kicking their ass, and I get booted up to the next tier, and I think most of the people in the next tier had just, like, spent money on the game at all. Mm. (laughs) Well, yeah. And then, like, I would see them making egregious play errors, and I would still lose... Because I just had the base decks and a handful of cards. Because you get, like, a free pack every now and then based on playing, but not enough to actually compensate for anybody who's willing to spend money on the game. Right. It's based on on that because that's how it's monetized. Mm -hmm. And buying more cards and more packs and more unlocks. That's the Mm -hmm. one nice thing that that has over, like, magic. Mm Mm-hmm in person is because you could buy 10 magic packs and they could all have 10 land and five of the same cards each. It's unlikely, right? but it's technically <laughs> possible once you've unlocked X number of Hearthstone cards. I don't know if it can still deal you like another one because there's a deck maximum, but it might just break it down into Stardust or whatever you can use to create more cards. You can break down cards into make other cards it's got some checks and balances mm-hmm. and it's it, it i still play it infrequently right i really liked it as a card game and yeah. if it was a physical card game i would totally play it but I, I don't know there's something about that that it's like i don't want to spend money on <laughs> cards that aren't actually cards because you can at least collect magic cards that's yeah. another good point but uh, it, like i'm almost the opposite is that i prefer the digital card games mm-hmm. i remember getting into pokemon tcg on the game boy because i could right. collect all the cards mm-hmm. once i bought the game i could just get all of them and i could just play i remember playing the Yu-Gi-Oh card game on the game boy color and it was hilarious because it didn't use the rules from the show or the rules from the actual card game. Well, nobody it used... was this kind of hybrid of both well, of them. Well, that's because nobody used the rules from the show, let's be honest. Not even the people in the show. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> how it worked. Yeah, which was, again, a completely different subset of rules from the manga. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually really liked the manga, though, because it was not mostly... I didn't actually read much of it uh, past the point where the card game was introduced. Because the the idea of the manga originally was that uh, Yugi is inhabited by this spirit, Yami, who lives in the Millennium Puzzle, who takes him over sometimes and was this... uh, Pronounced gambler. Yeah, something like that. Some ancient spirit that... You know, would gamble for people's souls back in the day, and now he can't like take their souls because he's trapped in the puzzle or something. But he could still curse people, and so he would curse people who lost games with him. And that's how he beat the bad guys. Was that Yugi was like actually Yami was kind of a fucked up dick. Yeah, I, but, I, I remember. But Yugi was like this innocent, pure kind of kid, and so they were literally two different characters instead of mostly having the same personality like they did in the show. Yeah, but like I, I remember the spirit about was more, the, you know, the the whole thing about stuff. lighting someone's arm on fire. <clears throat> right. Yeah, that was that was funny. 
Right. And, but and, also and the bad guy clever. burned. Very yeah. right. clever. And also, also the, the bad, bad guy, guy burned, burned to death. death. Yeah. So. Which would not have happened in the show because I feel like they wanted that to be kind of one of those accessible like animes. Y7 that they could... early 2000s. Yeah. I mean, some of the graphics in the Japanese version were not necessarily Y7, but you know. <laughs> some of the graphics in Japan aren't Y7. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of how that works. Um, that kind of had DLC because if you had some of the cards, you could actually scan in their codes, uh, or not scan in, but you could put in codes that were on the cards and get that card in the game. So yeah, well, uh, like World DLC. of Warcraft had the same thing. There's a World of Warcraft trading card game, and you could get World of Warcraft trading cards that still fetch hundreds of dollars on eBay to this day because they give mounts and pets and things in game. Huh. So and the code isn't just distributable or um, no because it, it it's a one use code. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. It's kind of silly. It is, but at the same time it's also kind of cool because it, it was cross marketing that literally I bought some card packs because I'm like I would really like that Zulian tiger mount or whatever. Right. So there were some cool rewards. I'm fucking He-Man. Right, but but <laughs> I actually have Battle Cat. Uh, nice. I mean, I have a green and orange striped tiger. <laughs> that is a thing. That's amazing. I saw actually an interesting uh, special one day. Uh, it was on Netflix or something about how different uh, toys came to the market. And He-Man was apparently this hilarious story where they kind of invented this generic hero character and then they kept bullshitting their way through marketing it because they were like presenting it and then like halfway through the presentation somebody was like okay but why are anybody going to care about this action figure and one of the guys was just like oh because there's going to be a show and the other guy was just like going along with it like oh you didn't tell me this <laughs> you know and they just both bullshitted it and then later on there was a comic book and like through the production of this they had to figure out how to make all of this all of these things happen and then battle cat apparently came on because like uh he was gonna ride a horse or something and somebody said oh that's not as it's not cool enough. He man needs to ride something manlier than a this you know horse because they were you know working basically at the same factory as Barbies, so that's like most of what they had. And they yeah. just grabbed this random toy that they had was a tiger, and he puts He Man on it. He's like, "Here, is this good enough for you?" Just being a wise ass, and he's like, "Hold on, yes, do it." <laughs> and they painted it blue and made it battle cat. <laughs> That's 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 pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, if you want a lot of really cool stuff like that, uh, look up on, again, YouTube, Toy Galaxy. Cool. Hashtag shameless plug. Check them out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, have we come to the end of our table topic, or do we have any final thoughts on it? Uh, uh, I think, really, the, the biggest thing was that... You know, each book you buy is like an expansion, or at least one of the large DLC packs that adds an entire island to Morrowind or something. Right. And not just. Right, because actually, Solstheim is bigger than a lot of games. Yeah. <laughs> so, so really, it's more the marketing of DLC as being anything from basically an expansion mm-hmm. to a different way your character can look for 75 cents to five dollars yeah 
it's too broad a term and it has a negative connotation because of all the monetization of everything nowadays. Yeah, that's basically my thoughts on it. You kind of summed it up pretty good there. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. I'm actually Sean. Is that joke bad enough that I have to drink? I don't care. I'm going to drink anyway. Okay. Joke's on me. Or something. Yeah. So anyways, we have been drink to the past without Chris for the second week in a row because Chris keeps having to work that jerk with his job. Anyway, uh, so this is my guest, Josh. You can catch him on... Um, hashtag shameless plug. Hashtag shameless plug. Hashtag I'm <laughs> not really active online anymore. Uh, <coughs> Facebook is a cesspit of bullshit. Um, so I, I, I'm sort of on Twitter sometimes. Yeah, follow him on Twitter. Twitter. He yells at me about liking Star Wars. Uh, modern Star Wars. Newer Star <laughs> Numbered episodes of Star Wars that happened after 1999. So everything up to one? One, four, five, and Now six. that I think about it, okay, I was going to say, even well, episode <laughs> one still left us with that, that accidental hope. Let's just go with the original trilogy as being okay. good. Um, uh, yeah, you can find me on Facebook as Skull Daisy Gimp. It doesn't feed from my Twitter anymore. I don't know what broke. I blame Facebook. Probably. You can find me on Twitter as Skull Daisy Gimp. Uh, Discord, I frequent a few different things. I play a lot of Minecraft, but mostly on servers that are run by people, one of which is me. You should join me there, too. Well, think about it. Once you get back to Minecraft eventually, maybe. I I don't know. I've got, like, too many backlog games. I I actually got Doom 3 for the Switch, like we were talking about, and uh, I haven't actually played it yet because I've been stuck on my third playthrough of Fire Emblem. Because they've all got different storylines depending on which uh, Hogwarts house you choose. I mean, what? class. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's more or less Hogwarts the Fire Emblem. But then, at the end, like... There's four Hogwarts houses. How does that work? There's three Hogwarts houses here. So it's, it's like, close enough. But then there's a secret what, fourth storyline. Ravenclaw? I mean, would anybody miss them? <laughs> <laughs> Like, admittedly, the four Hogwarts houses are the good guys, the bad guys, the cute guys, and the other guys that don't, uh, like, like, uh, miscellaneous. (laughs) I think it's supposed to be courageous, helpful, smart, and possibly evil, but probably also just very driven people. But mostly, actually, everybody in Slytherin is just straight up a fucking dickhead. And most of them are straight up evil. Eventually, Malfoy accidentally comes into his own. Yeah, that's what people tell me. I, like... Well, if you had Jason Isaacs as a father, would you say, no, I don't think that I should be evil if he said be evil? He is Scar. Yeah. Is he the old Scar? Yeah, from yeah, yeah, yeah from, Jason, the, from the Jason good one. Isaac's from the good one. Yeah, not yeah. the not the not the li- quote unquote live action. <laughs> right. I, I saw a hilarious thing. Um, uh, uh, the director was John Favreau, and he tweeted out uh, they actually only had one live action shot in the entire movie, 
which was the sun rising with the tree in the background, which I, admittedly is an iconic shot from the original Lion King, and that, of all things, is the one that deserves it. But on the other hand, like I don't understand the reason why they would do the rest of the movie then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like no. it and and advertise it as quote unquote live action. I didn't know John Favreau was actually the director of that. Yeah. Because uh, he's fantastic and also happy. Yeah. And also taking care of Tony Stark's children. Yeah, I like him in some stuff, but other stuff I'm just like, why did you do that? Uh, like this. And um, he also directed the Jungle Book one, which was okay. At least but... there's some theoretical, like, there's, there's a human in it. Mm. If there's a human in it, you can do live action. If there's not a human in yeah. it, it's not actually live action. And I it's did like, just... uh, who is the voice of Scar? What's that guy's name? You know that guy. Uh, Heimdall. Oh, Idris Elba? Yeah. Was the voice of... Yeah, no. Tiger they... guy. Shere Khan. Shere Khan, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like brain farting names now. I'm like, I, I haven't watched this. I think yeah. we should probably call this. Yeah, probably. That's what I was trying to do. Yes. And then we got distracted on another tangent. Um, yeah. So I'm Sean Michael Patrick Thompson. As always, you can catch me here every Friday night on uh, Drink to the Past. It's the coolest podcast where with a two drink minimum. You don't talk about Minecraft enough. I don't talk about Minecraft enough. That's probably true because I get distracted by mostly Zelda and, 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 and other stuff. But, uh, yeah, you want DLC? You want free DLC? I paid for Minecraft in 2011. I've gotten every update since free. Yeah, every now and then, actually, there's games like that still. Um, Splatoon 2 has actually been like that, and ARMS as well. Well, have uh, you gotten free updates for the last nine years? Not quite nine years yet. Okay. But... Uh, <laughs> Although they did do one big expansion for Splatoon 2, but most of the like they also do like a weekly little expansion or a monthly little expansion that's like, hey, we're adding a new gun to the game and a new stage every now and then. Huh. Uh, so that's kind of cool. And Arms actually did it where they've got like new characters, uh, new stages, stuff like that throughout the lifetime of it. And they've said that they're not going to add any more new characters or stages, but they're going to still have, like, bug fixes and, you know, little updates here and there. So that's, that's kind of cool. So every now and then, a game like that will come out. I don't think ARMS has quite the staying power that Minecraft does, so I don't think nine years from now anybody will care as much. I don't much. think anything has the staying power Minecraft does. <clears throat> that's probably true. I mean, World of Warcraft's made it for 15 years. Yeah. Might go longer. Mm -hmm. Has more lore than Minecraft established, mm -hmm. but but you can make whatever lore you want by building a castle somewhere. Yeah, see, and being like, hey, this is uh, this is John Favreau's castle. He built it here between being happy and chef, and after being foggy from Daredevil. Yeah, that's right. Yep, you're welcome. Yeah. We all forgot about that, didn't we? Not because Probably of should him. have. <laughs> no, not because of him. Because of Batfleck. Anyways, you can also catch me on twoguysplayingzelda.com. I do all sorts of articles. I'm doing a thing later. Uh, I'm not sure how my fan fiction is going, but then I had another idea for another article. So I'd, I have no idea what's coming next, but uh, check them out. They've got a lot of other fan fiction up on the site, opinion articles, that sort of thing, and good old news updates. 
Uh, so check out twoguysplayingzelda.com for all your Zelda-related stuff. And now's the part of the podcast where we don't actually have like a good way to end it, so we just keep talking for a little while until one of us says something really, really awkward, and then we end it. Okay, so rubber baby buggy muppers. I'm not sure that's quite awkward. Not awkward enough. enough? Yeah, I don't know. Like, should we keep doing tongue twisters or, or just... I, I thought of a tongue twister that, uh, like, nobody would ever understand. Lateral atlatl. Well... Because nobody knows what the hell an atlatl is except for, like, people that knew my Uncle Kenny. Yeah, that that is true. Or <laughs> anybody who, uh, who, who, who played the Star Wars D20 and tried to play a Gungan because that was one of their racial weapons. Wow. Yeah, it it, it atlatls are far too cool for gungans. What the fuck? Well, gungans are far cooler than Jar Jar Binks. That kind of is. It, I I mean, basically those 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 funny things that threw the blue orbs of apparently also they had shields. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Atlatl. Mm-hmm. Then I thought about writing a song like I could do like the electric slide where it's like one of those dance songs where you tell all the dance moves while you're going and I call it the lateral at lateral rattle hmm there's money to be had there you're just you're just lobbing things now mm-hmm I'm a lobbyist lob, lobby lob. there's a pun in there somewhere <laughs> it's not a good one I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna have to drink for that pun alright <laughs> um My harmonica's upside down, but you couldn't tell from that toot. Could you? Do you toot in harmonica? Or do you harmonize and toot? <laughs>